Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 34, and we're calling this one the higher ground edition of Free Range Idiocy because we're celebrating one full year of recording idiocy and broadcasting out into the ether that is the interwebs, and we'll be talking about our current top five albums. Uh, My name is Todd, and with me, as always, and broadcasting from an undisclosed location somewhere near the final remaining operational blockbuster video, which he owes approximately $35.63 in late fees to, he is the Arn Anderson to my Tully Blanchard. Behold, I see a pale horse, and its side, its name was Beer. I give you (laughs) the man they call Tim. My brother, how we doing? I am doing well, sir, and how are you this fine evening? I am well. I am well. Uh, I, 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 dig, I dig the reference. I dig the reference. Well, now, the, of course, the important question is, can you name the tag team? Uh, I, I will name two different possible names for this tag team. Uh, the, the WWE version, the Brain Busters. You nailed it, sir. And the WCW slash NWA version, these two gentlemen at some point tagged as part of a greater group known as the Four Horsemen. Yes, and that was Ric Flair. And who was the, who was the fourth uh, horseman? Why can't I remember? The, the very first member oh, was Ole Anderson. <laughs> That's the, right. Okay. It, it was, the four of them was Flair, Blanchard, uh, Arn Anderson, and Ole Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, with J.J. Uh, Dillon as the manager. And then over time, you had uh, you had the core of Blanchard, Anderson, and Flair, and then there was always some rotating fourth person <laughs> in that slot. Lex Luger was one at one point. Oh, good uh, Lord. Sting actually was at one point, believe it or not. He was a horseman. That's all um, right. Luger, is, a, is that's, that's hard times right there. That's... Here's one for you. Paul Roma. Oh no! Oh, they they were digging in the bottom of the barrel on that one. <laughs> oh, that's that's some serious slumming right there. That's a, oh my that's a part of his career that Ric Flair doesn't even mention at all ever. Oh ever. man, it, it was crazy. Uh, Barry Windham is a as a popular one. Um, he he was a fourth. Uh, I think he may have been the first replacement. I, I never I don't recall the history of why Ole Anderson. Left. I know he was kind of on the older side, and he was more on the booking side of things Wasn't for WCW. Just a gigantic jerk. Uh, well, that yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> and uh, when when Barry sorry, Windham, sorry, Ole, I didn't. I don't mean to. <laughs> but when Barry Windham came in, he was, uh, you know, Windham was always known as a, a very strong, you know, technical wrestler. So he he was a very good complement to the group. So so kind of you know in in terms of 
uh, popularity and, and what is remembered as, as the core uh, when, when you, they don't want to include Ole Anderson, they, they, they go to Barry Windham. So. I see. <laughs> well, and there you go, kids. There's your, there's your wrestling history for the week. Uh-huh. From the Czar of Char to your ears, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the Czar so, of Char was in action uh, tonight. You were. You were, you were grilling and a-thrilling. Steaks, chicken, brats, oh my. Again, the cholesterol is just <laughs> shockingly high. It staggers the imagination. <laughs> Do you even bother going to the doctor anymore? He just he, he just says, you know what? You just oh. obviously don't listen to me and don't care. So don't come around, don't come around here no more. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they don't even take your calls anymore. You're the first person to be blocked from your doctors. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, not this chucklehead. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Great, he's going to come in with cheddar cheese running through his veins. That's exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Well, thank you all for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you all tuning in and, and downloading and subscribing and all that fun stuff. And hey, if you haven't subscribed, well, let me tell you exactly how you can do that. You take yourself and you find your interwebs browser of choice and you direct it to freerangeidiocy.com, and that will take you to our Podbean page where you can sign up there and subscribe via Podbean has all of our episodes we're also on iTunes and Spotify so you can get your podcast that way I'm not mentioning YouTube because I haven't done a dang thing with YouTube lately and uh, they 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 hate me so we're <laughs> they I'm hate just, you they, they all hate you Mando <laughs> and um <laughs> They hate you, Mando. <laughs> Sorry. There's a Gosh. reference no one's going to... We were trying to... Somehow we came up with like this combination of me doing an impersonation of Bane doing an impersonation of Carl Weathers. <laughs> it makes no sense, but yet oh. the two of us were laughing so hard about it before the show, I just had to throw it, it in. It entertains us. <laughs> And only us. And only us. (laughs) So you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify. We're also on the social medias. We love the social medias, with the exception of YouTube. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. Follow us for the internet chuckles, if you would. You can also send any questions or suggestions that you have to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com, and he will be Johnny on the spot and get right back to you with that. So, sir... Now that we've taken care of uh, the, the the official business, uh, we've we got some stuff to celebrate here this evening. Celebrate. Before we get there, we, oh oh, good lord! Everyone, clear some room. <laughs> Let the man up to the mic. Tim is going to favor us with a song for the people. For the pe- <laughs> thank you, thank you, Mario Bain. Appreciate. That. <laughs> It's like a it's like a mixture between Mario 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 Brothers Mario Van Peebles, and uh, what was the guy who played uh, Slater on? on oh, uh, back, Mario! Uh, oh, yeah, it was gosh. another Mario. It was another it's all, Mario. It's all the Marios Lopez? combined. Yes, thank you. Jeez. All combined into in, in doing a, a group impersonation of Bane. It's very it's very difficult to pull off. But you do it, sir. Well, you do it with you. flair. I, not, I, quite, not quite Ric Flair, woo! but flair. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I have no idea where we are anymore. Do we, we were celebrating something, right? We were talking about that. Is that where we were heading with that? We, we were, and, and in some okay. ways it, it is apropos. We are celebrating one year. Woo! 
of Free Range EDC, the podcast. Uh, Not to be confused the, with the movie, which is coming in about five years. The Idiotacy is one year old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And as we, as, as we take a moment, you know, there, there, there was a, a small little giggle as, as we started up here. Uh, back when we started this, this voyage, uh, we were all ready to go and... We started to log into our, our service, which I shall not name, that does the recording, and, and it was like an hour of technical issues until we sorted it out. But And, and that after we, re- we did we actually record a test episode, and everything went perfect. Yes. There was no problems. And None then we went to record the first whatsoever. episode. Oh, all hell broke loose. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was, you know, it's apropos to it say this like as Tim's well. It was like Tim's bachelor party, except with less booze and, and you know. I was well, going to say it was like Galactica after the last jump, you know, when you see it flying over the moon and it's just like falling apart. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, that's going to be our final episode. That's what that's going to be. <laughs> We're going to bring the whole thing down. That's what's going to happen. No more Mr. Oh boy! But yeah, so the the funny part of this is, and we had both get, managed to get dates crossed up here. Yeah. So officially, recording, we recorded our first episode June twenty third. As we record this this fine Sunday evening, it is June twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. So we are just past our one year recording anniversary. However, in true free range idiocy style, we recorded on June twenty third. The first episode didn't get edited and published till July tenth. <laughs> Hey, we, we, we had to get the process figured out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, basically, I was a lazy stooge. That's oh, come on now. And so that was, it's kind of interesting that we're, we're, not, we're kind of ahead of one anniversary and yet behind another anniversary. Yes, yes. <laughs> Makes perfect sense if you've listened to the show for more than 10 minutes. And, you know, we've, we, we've had quite the journey. You know, it's, it's, uh, n- when we started this out, I don't think either of us realized we would be able to record an entire you know, boatload of episodes due to a pandemic causing us to go into lockdown. <laughs> yeah, our we've become prolific. At this oh point. my gosh! Like we we were lucky to record once every two weeks, man. Once that happened, it was like every week. You know, yeah. so what else bit are you more, gonna do? A little bit more. For the people. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. Ding. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to keep doing this all episode, aren't we? Yeah, and we're going to lose even more listeners than we normally do. <laughs> These chuckleheads. And, you know, but uh, at the same time, it's right there in the name, like I always like to say. It's uh, right there in the name. We are transparent well, if we are nothing else. So Yes, yes, we are. And you know what? Speaking of transparency, actually, this doesn't tie into transparency at all. Uh, <laughs> sir, uh, what you drinking this evening? To alcohol. The cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Uh, this evening, I have uh, working right now a, a tequila infusion, oh. a, a bit of fruit uh, infused into the tequila with some Topo Chico mil- mineral water. A what? Uh, Topo Chico. It is a company that produces mineral water. I've never heard of that. Oh, uh, Yeah. I, yeah. We obviously are not in the same circles as far as fanciness, you and your jet-setting lifestyle. Uh, you know what you are? You're, you're one of those little uh, fancy lads, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, I think you have BJs out there. We have Costco out here. so. Well, I just have tap water. That's what I use. In. <laughs> Boy, you're cute. I can't afford all this fancy stuff that you do. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I saved that money for bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Make so sure, I'm having make that. Sure my and water then, is filtered through a still, sir. That's how I do it. Well, yeah. So I, I'm having that, and in the holster, I have a uh, daisy cutter half acre, Ooh. Uh, ready to roll once the infusion has been uh, consumed. Well, look at you, you fancy lad, you. I am. <laughs> well, so and what are you having, the, my friend? Well, on my part, I decide I'm sticking with bourbon this week, and uh, I'm having Johnny Drum Private Stock. It is from Willett Distillery in Bardstown, Nelson County, Kentucky. Straight Kentucky bourbon whiskey, and it is uh, 50.5% alcohol per volume. Nice little uh, 101 proof bourbon, and it is very smooth. I I mean, it says private stock. I honestly don't know if there's a, a private stock, a regular stock, a stock car. I'm not sure what uh, kind of layers there are to this. I just know that it's good. Yeah. And in spite of my better judgment... Oh, jeez, here we in go. Spite my, in spite of my better judgment, I'm uh, I'm drinking it neat this week. <laughs> of course you are, you. In, in oh, tribute to, to Tim. Uh, so oh. having, having the bourbon neat, and I say against my better judgment, because right now it is hotter than Hades in my <laughs> office. I am... <laughs> I am sweating like you wouldn't believe. Todd may have a bourbon on the right side of the desk, but he's got a couple bottles of water on the left to keep himself hydrated. I am sweating like a junior high kid at his first dance. I just... uh, I am just like... I'm going to be drenched in sweat. Like, you remember in in Good Morning Morning Vietnam when he talks about a little crotch uh, crotch pot cooking? That's what I've got going right now. Come on. I definitely should have invested in some talcum powder or something. I'm oh, dear lord. It's going to be rough. It's yeah. going to be rough. Yeah. If if the thunderstorms break, I might actually go dive out in my pool <laughs> after this episode. Well, you know, you are the pool tycoon. So, well, you, you may know. as well leverage uh, what you got and uh, cool off in the pool. I think I will uh, and I I might even take my bourbon neat out with me. There you go. Hey, a question for you. Since, since there's a lot of bourbon coming out of Kentucky, do they have something similar like what they do with like wine tours? Is there like a bourbon tour you can go on in Kentucky? Do you know this? Oh, sir. Oh, sir. Please they, educate. Educate me. There are distillery tours at pretty much all the major distilleries. There is a bourbon festival, which I believe happens in September every year. And yeah. there, uh, there are... In, in Bardstown in particular, because Bardstown is the, the bourbon capital of the world, trademarked. Ah. That is trademarked. There was actually a little scuffle when I think uh, Louisville tried to up their game and they started getting some more distilleries. And the mayor of Louisville had, had mentioned, oh, now we're, we're going to be the bourbon capital of the world. They got a, a fairly nasty little letter. <laughs> because <laughs> like, hey, hey, Sparky, that's ours. And by the way, it's legally ours. So ding, don't be- ding. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's distillery tours and all that stuff. And I think there's there's even like... Um, well, well, wait. So I, I figured there were tours at the distilleries. I just didn't know, like, do, do they have things where you kind of tour a certain... It sounds like there is, because as you mentioned, was it called Bardstown? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming around there you could do like a tour of different distilleries, right? Oh, I, I think they do stuff like that for yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know for certain. Um, I do know... I, I just, uh, uh, my, my Kentucky friend is heading back down to Kentucky, to Bardstown proper, next week. And uh, I made sure... Is he doing sure a little bootlegging for you? <laughs> he is doing some bootlegging for me. Yes, sir. Woo-hoo! He's found it down, loaded up and-
I'm hoping he doesn't get, if he gets stopped in West Virginia, he gets stopped on the way there and not on the way back. <laughs> oh, because uh, I've, I've, I, I gave him a, a, little, a little shopping list and then said, whatever else you can bring back. So we should have some, I'll have some interesting things to share for future episodes uh, come, well, just past the middle of July. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that. So unlike in BSG Daybreak, this is not... A one-way trip. <laughs> no. Oh, nice pull. Nice pull, sir. Way to bring it back. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta drop them in now. Now that we have no more episodes to do, we gotta <sighs> drop it in here and there. Don't don't say that. It's I'm st- it's too soon. It's know, too soon. I'm still in mourning. Still in mourning. Anyways, I could I shouldn't be that much in mourning. I can I can I literally have the DVDs. I can watch it anytime that I want. I just I'm still. Just processing. I'm going through. It's a it's a process for me. The stages so, of mourning have begun. Yes. So, sir, watch. This was actually your idea for an episode. So I'm going to let you kind of take the lead on this one. Uh, this is actually going to be. I think this could be a lot of fun for us. I don't know if anyone else will be interested in it, but hopefully they will. So why don't you uh, why don't you kind of run down what we're talking about tonight? Yeah. So what this the inspiration for this just came from the fact that uh, you know a lot of the topics we've covered over the last year, uh, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of geekery kind of nestled in there at one point uh, i think it was just before lockdown happened was uh uh the episode we did on rush um i know we have one in the hopper that we want to do on tower of power which which we definitely got to break out here at some point but but you and i uh along with enjoying the sci-fi and the geekery also have a love of music Mm. and it it seems a a an area we we have uh Let's say in the forest of topics that is free range idiocy, it is is a tree we have yet to tap uh, in in a in a deep way. You know what I mean? Yes, good way. And to put it. Uh, so, basically, what I figured on on this the uh, you know the 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 one year anniversary of the show, why, why not look at and talk about the top five uh, you know favorite albums of ours and talk about that to some degree, given our backgrounds in music. You know, I. I uh, while I do not play for a band like professionally in any way, shape, or form, I do play the bass. Uh, I do play uh, in the band in my church a bit, and and I know for you, sir, you you actually have had uh, you have flirted quite a bit with with the professional area a little bit. You you had uh, at one point, I believe, a band, or or, uh, or correct me if I'm wrong. Are you in the process of working with the band? I forget. Uh, two, as a matter of fact. And Very then- nice. And didn't flirt. I, I out and out threw myself at, at it, and uh, and I was turned down. So it was pretty much like high school all over again. Uh, anyway, thank <laughs> you for thank you for bringing that painful. No, no, up. but I mean, when no, you did I Mama's d- Boom Shack, was was yeah. that kind of the flirtation part? That's kind of what I meant. I mean, you, you yeah, guys were, were I mean, you guys were playing gigs pretty regularly, as I remember. And yeah, so I've been in. I I started playing saxophone back in like third grade and did that for eons and eons and eons up through high school, college, stopped playing for quite a while and then got back into it and finally decided in my mid, early to mid-30s to, that if I didn't put a band together now, I would never do it. So put together a, a band that for me was kind of a, a dream sort of thing. It was a funk and soul band. Nice. And it was really kind of, uh, the, way I, the way I described it was the love child of James Brown and Sly Stone. And it, it was a seven-piece band, four horns, bass, guitar, drums, and it was, it was a great time, fantastic time. After that, uh, put together a blues band, which was a bit more stripped down. It was kind of a, 
it was it was almost like a Rolling Stones sort of setup: two guitars, bass, drums, and I was uh, singing and playing harmonica. And so that's kind of been, you know, the 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 flirtation with, with professionalism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and ironically enough, I also play bass and also play bass uh, at my church. So nice. You know, it's just a just a kind of further, you know, bring this all around in kind of a weird sort of a way. Mm-hmm. There it is. There. Yep. So, given our our respective uh, and, and you know, as as you as our listeners may or may not recall, one of the inspirations for us doing this podcast was we had been at one point uh, roommates in college. Uh, yes. You know, of course, as life is life, you know, I, I moved away from New England and. Uh, to get away um, but, from me, really. Well, yeah, yeah basically. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> they all hate. Uh, it's good after all these years you've come to the realization. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I take a hint. It takes me a while to figure it out, but I, I can take a hint. But I, I do remember uh, your involvement. Uh, you know, a lot with with uh, you know with with band at, at the college we were at, and uh, and and just the uh, the love of music. And so I just thought it would be. Uh, apropos, uh, now that we have kind of closed the book uh, a bit on on BSG for now, that that maybe we we open the open a different door, if you will, into go, go right ahead and say it. Since we're out of topics, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna grasp at some straws. <laughs> oh come on, man! <laughs> I just want to be honest. For we're not out people. of topics. We, we have we have some topics to do, my friend. Oh, we, we, we do. Have some, oh. We have, we have some more talking to be doing. Oh, good, good. We we have some concepts. I think we're 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 that, that are percolating right now. That we're oh great. So we're heading towards a concept album, which sell. <laughs> those always sell well. Let me tell you. That's one so, thing. That every single fan is always like, "Hey, is the next concept album coming? I can't wait for that." Well, you know, you got to reinvent yourself, right? So. Mm. But yeah, but given that background, that that's really where the inspiration from this came is just to chat a little bit about the albums that we enjoy, the music that we enjoy. Uh, it's you know, for, especially for me, I'll I'll put this out there now. I am probably going to uh, expose myself as not being you whoa, know. Whoa, 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 whoa! Jeez, <laughs> oh, easy, easy. There, this is a family show. Well, not being, you know, maybe as deep into music as some people might be. You know, I, I think oh, I, I think okay. your that's, list I think your fine. list is a better cross section of music than what my list is gonna be. Let's just say that. No, I wouldn't go that far because the thing is if you look at if you look at your list and mm. people are like, Hey, how about you tell us your list instead of talking about your list, you two putzes? Uh, we will. <laughs> so but if you look at your list You gotta have a hook. <laughs> You know, there's there. You're you're covering a whole spectrum that I'm not covering, and but yet I, if you go deep enough into each of our albums, yeah. you know the the our, our record collection, if you will, or yeah. MP3 collection, whatever, you're gonna find elements of of a little bit of everything. We are we are fairly varied, but yeah, really, you do. Everybody kind of has that that home base musically. Yes. You might say, oh, I love all music, but. You kind of veer in one direction more than others, I think. Yeah, and, and I guess for, for me, what will become abundantly clear is I'm more of a rock, classic rock kind of person. Um, but I do like jazz. You're, you're not going to hear that or see that in my list. But, um, but I am someone who enjoys that genre of music. And one thing that you have opened my eyes to and that I, you know, we've talked about maybe doing a follow-on episode where maybe we kind of listen to 
you know, like one or two albums each of what we're going to list out here uh, and then talk about it, you know, next, mm-hmm. uh, not next episode, but, you know, maybe a few episodes from now. Um, but but one thing I've appreciated is is how you, you know, you definitely opened my eyes to funk and and uh, and, and soul and, and, you know, Tower of Power and a lot of these, you know, rustic overtones. Um, what was the other one? Oh, Lettuce, I think, was one you had recently. Um, yes, and, my young apprentice. Oh, absolutely. No, seriously. I mean, I... You know, one thing about me is I, I don't I, I'm not locked into the the genre. I think, like you said, I think classic rock is kind of like my my home. You know, it's mm-hmm. like kind of where I, I orbit. But I I really do enjoy discovering, you know, other uh, artists, other styles, other you know ways of of playing certain genres, and uh, and so th- that's a little bit where I come from. So you'll kind of get that a little bit from my list. And and for you, sir, what what, what do you kind of orbit around? What uh, you already talked about your band being kind of a, a a funk soul band is that is that where you orbit or yeah that's that that's always where i end up yeah. you know no matter what that's kind of where i've where i've always wound up uh yeah. with blues yeah. getting kind of added into that mix and uh so just to you'll kind of be able to tell that through the my my list of five and then even more so into some honor some of the honorable mentions because we can't get away without cheating a little bit and so yes. and, and we there's never been a time when we say oh here's five and then actually done five of anything go ask <laughs> tim's sister-in-law she's very good at counting these things oh she she is holding us accountable and then some <laughs> yes and you know what you know what heather Way to fracking go. Way oh. to fracking go. <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but for me, my my top five, and again, to kind of go back to uh, what Jimmy Dice had said, this is a living document. This is a... Uh, Absolutely. This, this Absolutely. is not my, uh, for me at least, this is not my Desert Island five albums. Like if I only had five albums to listen to for the rest of my life, that would actually be a... a of of somewhat different list there might be one or two of these that would make that list it would be a different list these are and it's not even this top five that i've i've listened to most over the last year or whatever yeah this is just sort of like the top five to kind of express what i dig musically so so this is kind of autobiographical for me nice so how do you like how do you want to kick this off do you want to go first do i go first uh, why don't you know th- this is as you said? I guess this is kind of a brainchild of mine. Um, so I I would like to uh, defer to the kick uh, you know the kickoff to the second half. So if you would like uh. to go first, sir. Uh, but I will ask: uh, Should sh- do you agree with going from five to one? Yes, that All actually right. works out quite well for me. Excellent. Well, why don't you kick us off, my friend? Well, starting off at number five, we have uh, an album that I I just loved. It was actually the first CD that I bought, and it was actually one of the first records that I bought. It's a double a double album. Uh, it's Billy Joel's Concert, which is uh, uh, it's the Russian live concert that he did back in the eighties. It's a double. It was a double vinyl album, double CD when I got it. Nice. Uh, actually, was it a double CD? This might have been a single CD now that I think about it. But anyways, uh, so I've, I played this album enough that I'm surprised that the, the record actually still plays because I played it that stinking much. Yeah. And it's a fantastic. It's almost like another greatest hits sort of thing. I mean, because you have a lot of his big hits from you know, that, that era of Billy Joel. Uh, you have uh, A Matter of Trust, Only the Good Die Young, Allentown, Innocent Man, Uptown Girl, Big Shot. 
lot. Uh, honesty for crying out loud. Um, big man on Mulberry Street. Baby Grand, which actually the the version of Baby Grand, which is uh, the the duet that uh, Billy Joel did with Ray Charles. Oh, he actually he I actually originally he wrote that for Ray Charles. Yeah, yeah. And then and then oh, no no that was um, New York State of Mind I think that he originally wrote for Ray Charles and then ended up recording himself. But anyways, the duet with uh, with Ray Charles. This version of it, I actually think, is fantastic nice. because without Ray, it, it kind of he 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 took it a, a slightly different direction. But actually, the, the my favorite track off of this was uh, "Angry Young Man," which is just such oh. a killer way to start off an album. Holy yes. cow! It was a fantastic, fantastic uh, album and a great way to kind of get in. Uh, I was I was very into Billy Joel in uh, junior high. Uh. Kind of got into a very singer songwriter ish sort of thing in, in junior high, early high school. And Billy Joel was just one of my favorites. And this album was just so fantastic because, again, it's kind of live greatest hits. And if I hadn't picked this one, I probably would have picked Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volume 1, Volume 2 because it's just it's all the songs. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And I just love the the energy from this show. You can tell that he was really going all out for this uh, for a Russian audience at that point. Concerts, rock concerts, were not a thing in the yeah. Soviet Union. This yeah. was still during, you know, previous prior to the the Berlin Wall falling, very much Cold War time, and rock concerts were not a thing. And he and to have Billy Joel go behind the Iron Curtain and play six concerts, I think three in Moscow, three in Leningrad, if I have that right, and um, it was it was amazing. And yeah. and he really went all out. This also happens to be the tour where um, he destroyed a piano and a microphone stand <laughs> in the middle of a concert wow. because the lighting guy kept on throwing lights on the audience and the audience got very nervous oh. when the lights would go on the audience. They would stop dancing yeah. and Billy Joel wanted them to be able to dance and enjoy themselves and he kept on yelling in between lines of the song. He's singing the song and he would finish a line and be like, stop! light in the audience and then he go on to the next line oh and gosh. eventually he just takes the electric piano that he's playing and upends it and is just stomping around on stage takes a microphone stand just starts pounding it on the stage and the band around him is just keeps going yeah like obviously they're like yeah billy's having a, te a temper tantrum just keep going we'll <laughs> just <laughs> nothing total. to see here move along <laughs> Total pro move, which is awesome. Nice. Uh, it, it was is such a great, great album, and of course, it also has, um, you know, the times they are changing. He played that at the very end, which is kind of cool, uh, and then also, of course, you know, covers the Beatles back in the USSR because you had yeah. to, yeah. and and a great version of that. And this is really Billy Joel's also his classic live band before he really started ticking people off, and they didn't want to work for him anymore. So you have like Liberty DeVito on oh, drums. I I really enjoy him. Yeah. 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 I mean, who else? Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Mark Rivera, who is a saxophone player, Russell yep. Javers, Doug yep. Stegmeier. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, all these guys that you would, that just played with him for a long time and were also the guys that he recorded with. Yeah. And, and it, just to have that band kind of in their prime was awesome. Although the funny part is he was doing enough interviews and other stuff that I guess he really didn't think that his voice was up to the, up to the standard that he would normally like. So he didn't like the album, but the his record label released it anyways. And I guess him and him and the band called the album Kaput. Mm -hmm. 
That was that was their name for it. Interesting. But I absolutely love this album growing up and listened to it approximately a billion times. So nice. it's definitely in there and kind of representative of that stage in my life when I listened to so much Billy Joel that it I probably should have been committed. <laughs> Well, I, I should probably be committed for not really getting into him until college, actually. You know, I, I really didn't, quote unquote, I, I mean, I knew of Billy Joel, don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't really... It'd be hard not to. I mean, the man's had so many damn hits. Yeah, and, and you know, being a product of the 80s, it was hard to not, you, you know, I knew of Uptown Girl, I knew of, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of his poppy sort of hits, but it wasn't until college, and like you were mentioning, the, the, the greatest hit CD... And, and, you know, a few, you know, and then getting to know kind of his older stuff, just the breadth of, mm. you know, content that, that he produced um, back in the 70s before he got big in the 80s. And, um, you know, Angry Young Man is a great, you know, great, great song. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I one song actually like from this era, like you're talking about, and I don't know if he performed it on the CD, was, was the song Leningrad. No, this was uh, this was after that. That was okay. That was after that. Was, that. Okay, yeah, that was about his experiences during the tour. Okay, so uh, Stormfront came a couple years after this. Okay, yeah, because yeah. because that song Leningrad and like he does another one called Down Easter Alexa. Yeah, like I, I I have always loved with him how he is a storyteller in song. Mm. You know, like he he just he knows like Piano Man. You know, all, all, he has so many so many examples of songs where he's he's telling a story in the song and uh and you're just like so like locked in like whenever i hear those songs i'm just locked in my imagination's engaged i'm thinking about you know the words i'm hearing and mm -hmm. uh yeah it's he, he's he's phenomenal yeah and uh just to clarify so uh the live album came out in october of 87 stormfront which had down easter alexa and leningrad was released in october of 1989 Ah, okay, nice. Yeah, so this this uh, this uh, this live album had pretty much everything up to the bridge, which I mean, again, is like, good lord, you. I mean, going from Piano Man, Street Life, Serenade, Turnstiles, The Stranger, Fifty Second Street, Glass Houses, The Nylon Curtain, An Innocent Man, The Bridge. I mean, those are just every single album had hits on it. It's unreal. Yeah. The man yeah. had a ton of hits. It's crazy. Well, uh, so uh, I've talked enough about that album. What's what's your first album or fifth album, I should say, on the list? So coming in at number five, uh, I thank you, I, Casey Kasem. <laughs> coming in at number five for the people. Oh, jeez, they all hate you. I think I kind of wove a little Kermit into that one. I don't know, but anyways, I'm, yeah, I was gonna say that's not that's not Casey Kasem did the. Did you know that Casey Kasem did the voice? Dun 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 Good. For Scooby Doo, yes, I knew and, that, and Astro from the Jetsons. Ah, uh, that I did not know. So Casey Kasem, very big into doing cartoon dogs. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, my so number, number five, five uh, is Verses by Pearl Jam, mm. and I uh, I very much got into in the '90s um, the grunge movement and uh, just the raw sound out of. A lot of these bands like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, but Pearl Jam stood out. Um, they they've just you know I've I've listened to them uh, over the years a lot. I have uh, come to really appreciate you know the the style of music that they play and and just the way they they have kind of endured over the years. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know I, I don't think they're kind of in the same 
ballpark is where I would put a rush or anything like that, but there's a longevity with them, you know, and, mm. and, and when, and versus is their second album, uh, their first one, uh, being 10, uh, that had a lot of, um, you know, uh, in industry success. Yeah. Um, even flow, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck was the other, um, so even flow once alive. Yes. Alive. That was the one. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that album had like five, four or five singles at least. Yeah. And, and this next one versus their second one, um, I was reading, so it was, it was released, uh, October 19th of 93. Mm-hmm. So that was right in the fall of my freshman year in college. And I just remember hearing, you know, Go was the first song on this one. And I just remember hearing that bass line, you know, as soon as, you know, they kind of play through this, like, kind of quiet introduction. And then it's like, you know, bam, 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 bam. And then the the bass just goes. And I'm like, oh, Mm. my gosh, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it, it, it was and I was reading about it. I mean, even the band was like they wish the raw kind of energy that this that this album had was what they had in the first album. You know, yeah. like like even though ten was successful, they looked at this and they're like, "Where was this when we made 10? <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. So, uh, and and this album was extraordinarily successful. Um, Go, Animal, Daughter, uh, Glorified G, Dissident, uh, Rearview Mirror, Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a blah 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 store or whatever it was a super long yes. title. Um, yeah. Just so many great songs off this album. Um, they they just you know what it, what I like about them is even though they're grunge they're you know they're a rock band and they bring an energy and a sound I really appreciate uh, the voice of Eddie Vedder I mean he just has such a unique voice um, mm. and and what he brings to the songs um, and so I this one for me is one I, I you know I was kind of thinking about like what do I listen to when I'm working what do I listen to in the car uh, or if I'm working out or something like that and. You know, Pearl Jam is definitely one of those bands that I have, you know, in my Spotify, you know, favorites list and stuff that, that I'll listen to. And, and Versus is just for me, just a very energetic, strong, um, powerful, uh, just, you know, a lot of energy uh, sort of sort of album. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of good music on it. So that's that that's that's why I have it kind of as as a number five. Nice. Now, would you say because there's probably a couple of these and almost the Billy Joel album for me, is it in some way almost representative? It's almost like a lifetime achievement award for that band. And this is like, okay, this is out of the catalog. This is probably my favorite, but I have to have this band on here for something. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely for me, they've become in a lot of ways, kind of a touchstone of, of music for me. I I feel, and I feel Mm. part of it is their longevity. Yeah. Um, I think if they were strictly a nineties, I mean, there were a lot of grunge nineties bands that I probably wouldn't listen to now, you know, and, uh, and for them, um, you know, just, just for me, it, it, it was the music, you know, I mean, there, there, there's a, you know, a message in some of their songs there, there are certainly storytellers at, at moments in time, but you know, that it's not like that's their, their, that's their gimmick or that's their thing. You know I mean? It, it, it comes and yeah. goes. And, uh, but the thing that's constant for them, I feel is, is just the, the musicality and, and just the, you know, just the, the, the emotion they bring out in their music. And so for, for me, I, I wanted to put this one in as, yeah, just, just that sample of, you know, it'd be easy to put 10 up there cause 10 was, was their, you know, their inaugural album. That that's the yeah. one that, that everyone kind of glommed onto and, and, and that's what made them. Uh, and this one for me is, was just, you know, if, if a band could ever come up with a strong second album, this was a, 
unbelievably strong second album. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So so that that's that's uh, that's why I picked that one. Nice. Good. Good poll, sir. Good poll. Thank you. Uh, my number four, then the reason I asked you about the whole Lifetime Achievement Award thing is because I didn't want to be all by my lonesome on this next one. Uh, <laughs> so, again, kind of going in biographical order rather than level of importance or, or importance in my life. Uh, number four for me is Tower of Power, and it is actually their debut album, East Bay Grease, which is was released in 1970. Nice. Meaning that that album is, I believe, it wasn't that long ago, I think a few weeks ago, celebrating its 50th anniversary for that album. Yeah, it was released on the San Francisco... San Francisco record, which was Billy Graham's uh, label, which is Billy Graham's record label. I believe mm-hmm. then it was it, it's somehow owned by Atlantic Records now. Anyways, it was uh, it's I I could have picked at least a half dozen Tower of Power albums. There's kind of like there's there's a a, a selection in the mid. 30 uh, mid 30s yeah mid 30s mid 70s that are kind of looked at as like some of their peak albums and those are like urban renewal the live album live in a living color which is phenomenal and um you know is albums like this kind of this uh, back to back to oakland which is actually the way that i was introduced to the band so i didn't i i didn't know about this band whatsoever until uh, i met a friend of mine in high school who introduced them to me and it blew my mind and kind of reawakened this this sound that i had kind of heard years before that really got me interested in like motown and soul music and then i kind of went through my you know singer songwriter thing with billy joel and all that and then i forgot about that until all of a sudden he he threw in a cassette of tower of power and i was like what is this yeah i need more of this like a lot more (laughs) all that there is i need it now and um so back to Oakland, another classic album. However, I, I go back to this one because this is such is to me one of the best recorded, best sounding albums ever. The mix on this album is phenomenal, and I mean it's nineteen seventy. It was recorded, I think, in nineteen sixty nine, then released in nineteen seventy. Just the, but it is everything is there, and everything yeah. has its own place in the sound. There's nothing that is just drowning out everything else. Nice. You can hear everything when you listen for it, and it's just phenomenal. And the, the songs on this album, I think, are some of their best. Uh, you don't. The funny thing is, you don't hear a ton of these in their live shows now mm-hmm. the the first song is knock yourself out which is a classic tower power song and is probably best represented and most well known f- on their live and in living color color album because there's like a 20 minute version of this song and and 10 minutes of it is uh their tenor sax player at the time lenny pickett who is now the leader of the saturday night live band just soloing for like 10 minutes just going off and it was yeah. Freaking amazing. This is actually a slower, it started out life much slower and plodding, but it was fantastic. So that one you'll still hear in concert. Uh, Social Lubrication, The Price, those are not songs that you'll really hear live uh, yeah. anymore, but they're fantastic and they kind of speak of this kind of real like gritty life of what you know life was like in... You know, Oakland, California, in the nineteen early nineteen seventies, yeah. kind of as the as you as you're getting over like flower power and everything, and you're starting to realize like, oh, stuff isn't 
all that wonderful. Uh, then you have a song called Back on the Streets Again, which is uh, could honestly be about the world today. The Skunk, the Goose, and the Fly, which is phenomenal in that it's just... <laughs> I love the title. <laughs> it's... It's a crazy title, but it's about it is just about you know people doing their own thing, and it features the band's uh, leader and founder Emilio Castillo on on lead vocals. He usually does like one song per album he'll sing on, and then they have a, a lead singer who handles everything else. Sparkling in the Sand is the ballad, and that one actually has kind of had a resurgence. Uh, I actually saw them play this song um, in. Brooklyn when I went to see them back in October you know back when we could actually be around people and uh you know it's it seems like forever ago I know Uh, I know but it's a uh, it's a it's a beautiful ballad and and has this lovely flute line and oh my gosh but the 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 core of that band just the five five piece horn section is the centerpiece of this band and is just amazing and I just I I always end up going back to this album mm-hmm. for just the real just fist in your face kind of just sound and I I just love it. I mean, granted their their latest albums are fantastic. You could check you should check out the entire catalog. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Mm-hmm. But it, start with this because it really is this is like the band just starting out and it was just raw and is awesome and i i love everything about this album really in particular the mix Um, and it's a great place to start with your tower of power adventure well and it wouldn't be your list without tower of power in there at some point no that that band is probably one of the most influential bands slash artists uh in my life, mm-hmm. one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to start a band, but also ironically, it, listening to them, I'm like, okay, my band is probably not going to sound like that because that is just so amazingly tight. I don't know that I have the time <laughs> for a band of people who are going to be doing this part time to sound like that. I mean, they it's you hear people try and play Tower of Power songs, man, it just it doesn't often work out because you have to be right on. You have to really be good, and you have yeah. to really play well together in order to do it. And the fact that those dudes are still out there doing it 50 years on is utterly amazing. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you know, I, I think it says a lot about the people in the band when it comes to longevity. And, and I know for Tower of Power, they may not be operating with all of the same original cast, right? No, there's actually only... Well, there's there's four of them that still I don't know where uh, Rocco Prestia is. He's the he's the original bass player, mm. and he's gone through a lot of health issues. He no longer yeah. tours with the band. I'm not sure he's on the on the last two albums because he was still kind of writing and recording at that time. Yeah, I'm not sure what his future is with the band if he's still technically part of the band. Uh, they have a touring bass player who is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, but the, right now the original. Members that are still in the band are Emilio Castillo, who plays uh, tenor saxophone, Stephen, the funky Dr. Kupka, who is the Barry sax player, and then David Garibaldi, who is the drummer. Okay. Those are the three original members of the band uh, okay. who are still with the band. But, but I mean, it, it's, it's telling that they can carry that spirit forward. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and, and to do it for five decades like that, um, you know, I think speaks a lot about, you know, um, the 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 core that that remains and and the way they can carry that forward you know i i i think bands like that you come to an understanding of of which bands are really about the music you know and yeah uh, and you know it's it's not to to throw any shade on those who don't 
continue on because like you said like one of their members is dealing with health issues but the fact that you have some semblance of the original lineup trying to carry it forward and, yeah. and finding people to carry that spirit forward is yeah. is you know that that to me is awesome that that's what music is you know what i mean like like to to want to keep that engine going and produce that kind of sound and that kind of style is is fantastic yeah and, and what i look for you, you know that, that's why a lot of the the bands i kind of gravitate to do have that kind of quality to them and i and i think the same for you as well that we tend to go to the bands that have that you know the musicality and musicianship at their core yeah yep absolutely all right what do you got up sir here well you can either say this is you know my stylistic pick or it sticks out like a sore thumb but i'm gonna go with number four johnny cash johnny cash live at Folsom prison yes uh johnny cash you know for he has an interesting place in my heart because uh my grandfather uh my, my on my mother's side he he was kind of the one who introduced me to him and you know, not that my grandfather was a big music buff, but he would watch, you know, shows where, you know, back in the 80s, they still had those those music shows, you know, where mm-hmm. where they yep. had musicians come on and they're almost kind of like reviews, you know, and and Johnny was still playing at that point. And that's when I first started to, to hear him. And I, I even as a kid, I just I, I loved his style when he got up there is like, hello. I'm Johnny Cash. You know, I mean, just just as that. if he needed to do it. You know, like, you know. I mean, it's just like <laughs> it was phenomenal. I mean, it was awesome. And for this album, um, you know, this one I kind of found. This was before the the Walk the Line movie came out, which which I think kind of put a focus on Folsom to some degree. Um, as kind yeah. of a, a a critical kind of point for him and. And it was a he, great framing device for the movie. Oh, oh my absolutely. Gosh. Oh, absolutely. But this one, you know, what, what I really like about live albums and, you know, probably something that, that you picked up with, with the Billy Joel one you mentioned was was just how you get, you know, the, the crowd aspect in it and, and the interchange mm-hmm. between the artist and the crowd. Yes. Um, especially in this album. I mean... Cash comes up with some really funny stuff. I mean, he's right in the middle. Oh, I, I I didn't literally know. a captive audience. Literally, a ca- <laughs> I saw what you did there. Yeah, you know, I have my moments. I, 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 um, but during you know different songs, I mean, he's in the middle of playing some of these songs, and he's yeah. like, and he's like, you know, we're recording this, we can't cuss, and, <laughs> and oh, then he and then he starts to like, my... and then he starts to say like three or four swear words in the process. Yeah. Oh, that was phenomenal. <laughs> oh, I love that. It, it was so funny. It was so funny, and. And just to hear the energy of that live crowd was just uh, was yeah. just awesome, just awesome. Um, there's a point uh, he does uh, the song Jackson with June Carter. Um, you know they, they they dramatize that in the movie, but but you 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 could hear the energy that June brought to it in in, mm-hmm. in that song. You know she came in, and she's just like, uh, you know she and Johnny had a little interchange, and it was just really funny. You know just. Mm. Uh, just you could kind of get a sense of, of of their relationship very briefly from that, um, but but to hear the crowd and to hear how how much they they loved his music, um, I love how he ends the album with a song that I believe one of the prisoners wrote uh, called yes. Greystone Chapel. Oh yeah, um, was 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 really really well done um, and just such such a great song. Um, I also love how in between some of the songs, the uh, the the staff at the prison come up to make announcements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And then at the very end, they get up to make an announcement, and they're like booing whoever's name. <laughs> yep. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, it, it, but it, it was just such a raw and, and just real moment kind of an album. And, uh, Fol- I mean, Folsom Prison Blues is just a great song. Um, Cocaine Blues, 25 Minutes to Go. Yes. Uh, Dirty Old Egg Sucking Dog, Jackson, mm-hmm. I Got Stripes. I mean, there's just so much good good stuff here. And um, Well, don't forget, the, uh, and the, th- the thing I loved about Johnny Cash was he loved him a novelty song, you know? Yes. He was not, you could tell he just wasn't embarrassed by it at all. Like, Boy Named Sue, that's a total novelty song. Oh, yeah. And he, oh, and yeah. he does uh, Flush from the Bathroom of Your Heart. Yep. I yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> I've been flushed from the bathroom of your heart. I was oh, it's so, oh it's my so gosh. goofy and kind of dumb, but it's perfect. And yes. he just pulls it off. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. And, 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 and some of the slower songs he does, you know, you know, send, mm. send a picture from, you know, send a picture of Mother or The Long Black yeah. Rail, The Wall. I mean, just... You know, there, there's just such a spectrum that he covers in this album, and it's just so it, – it's just I, – I can't not stop listening to it. I mean, I listened to it yesterday uh, on a car ride, you know, to go run an errand and stuff like that. And I've just – you know, it, you, I just start it, and I can't finish it. You know, or I, I do finish it. You know what I mean? It's like I can't stop listening to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to finish it. So uh, it, for the statisticians out there, it was recorded January 13th, 1968, released May 1968. So – uh, so about 40, uh, 52 years. Yeah. 52 yeah. years, I think. So yeah, no, just, just a quality album. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash is just, if you haven't checked out his music, you, you have to, he, he's just, he brings such, such soul to his music and, uh, and, and just such, such honesty. And, uh, it's, it's just, you know, just a very, very, uh, very fun artist to listen to. Yeah. I mean, I was never a big country music fan. My mm-hmm. my my parents were I think mostly my dad was he he kind of dug country music. And uh so when the, you know, the Nashville Network first became a thing, yeah. That's, you know, that we would watch that every I forget, I think it was like Nashville Now. It was like their their like late night talk show host talk talk show. But yet it was on like at 8:30 in the in the evening, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't so it was like Letterman four hours earlier, and uh, it was it was goofy and stuff like that. And I never dug country music, and I ended up getting this particular album for my dad for Christmas one year on CD because he had oh, just got nice. they had just gotten a CD player. It was a big deal, and so they didn't have any CDs. So I got him this CD, and I I didn't really care about Johnny Cash or anything before that and Christmas Day I remember sitting and listening to this album with him and all of a sudden I'm like wow I really like this yeah like I don't I don't dig like some of this other country stuff but this I I like this yeah yeah and so this this album has always kind of held a a special place in my heart yeah and because again like you say it's the live album the interaction with the crowd the energy of the performers Mm mm-hmm and it is cool because most live albums are kind of like a, a little mini greatest hits sort of thing. So yeah, you get a great yeah. version of a lot of these songs. And oh yeah, I, I'm glad you picked this album. And and well, thank you. And 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 I know it's not you know like you know especially when when you look at bands like Rush or Zeppelin and stuff. You know when when I say musicality with these guys, but like Orange Blossom Special, I love the mm-hmm. drums in that song in this on this album because the the guy literally creates like the sound of a train. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like same thing with Folsom Prison Blues. I mean, there, there's just such a sound to it, and and you know, playing it live where, 
you know, maybe they don't get the same effect you would get it recording this in a studio. It was just, uh, it was just so good. You know, and, and I just, I, I love little things like that. You know, li- yeah. little technical things that kind of stand out to me um, are, are, are things that I gravitate to with music. And so, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. This, 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 this is uh, just, just a great, great album by a great artist, you know, even 50 some odd years later. I mean, you, you can't not enjoy it. Yeah, well, and that that was still back at the time when most of the music that you were hearing recorded, even on a live album. I mean, on, on a on a regular album, they were still playing a lot of that live in the studio because not everybody had eight, and I don't even think I don't think a lot of places had sixteen track recording at that point. I mean, they might have just started getting that in the seventies, maybe. I don't, I can't remember my history exactly, but Johnny Cash certainly started his career back when it was like four track recording, and yeah. that's all you got. So things are sharing tracks, and you play it all at once. And if something messes up, well, you decide if it's bad enough that you can't live with it, and if it is, you just press it because studio time and tape was expensive you didn't right. go back and record it that's why you know we have some of those old recordings that you can hear weird stuff happen on them and you're like did someone just cough <laughs> or did, <laughs> do you hear that thud i think someone dropped something in the control room and it came through somehow or just weird stuff will be in there but it was also back when you would hear a song live and it was it was a lot like what you heard in the studio because it wasn't like they're layering effects and they're you know multi-tracking something and oh this we did we uh, did three tracks of guitars it was like yeah. no it's pretty much what you see on stage is how they recorded it and I I love that I just I yeah. wish there was I wish we got more of that in I know there's a ton of bands that actually do that now still but man it's it does take away from some things when you go to see a band and you're like oh. Half of this is pre-recorded tracks because you can't possibly duplicate it without like a thirty-piece band. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Johnny Cash is the man, dude. Oh, and then his and his recordings with with Rick Rubin, the American recordings, mm-hmm. late in his career. Oh, yeah, heartbreaking and yet amazing all at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could talk for at least unique five unique forty-five talent. minutes just on his version of Hurt. Oh, I mean. We might have to do an episode just on that. <laughs> between between Hurt, his version of U2's One, yep. and then Rusty Cage. Oh. I'm sorry, but that's badass. Mm-hmm. Because those songs were all pretty cool when they were recorded by the people who wrote them. And then Johnny did them, and they're like, oh, damn. Trent Reznor basically was like, yeah, that's not my song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's said it multiple times. Like yep. that's a that's a Johnny Cash song now. Like yep. I I just I happen to have written it. That's, <laughs> that's oh it. yeah yeah oh man incredible yeah. just incredible. Yep. What's your number three, my friend? Well, so I'm going to go a little bit different now because uh, speaking of novelty songs, uh, we're going to venture into a, a, a band that I just I got a lot of love for this for this band and uh, discovered them in high school and actually had the privilege of of going up to the Great White North. I didn't actually go to the concert to see these guys though, but I bought a T-shirt illegally in the parking lot, so I count it. Uh, but bare, <laughs> bare naked ladies. Wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! You bought a T-shirt illegally. <laughs> Yeah, so I bought it from a. I, okay, I'll I'll tell the story as soon as I get. But it's Bare Naked Ladies, and this is their debut album, Gordon. Oh, nice. Uh, so this is the one that has, if I had a million dollars on it, be my Yoko Ono, Grade Nine, uh, uh, Hello City, mm. a ton of their like just 
concert staples yeah. comes from this album. And then there's a lot of other, there's a few songs on there that kind of in that, in that folk music tradition of, of, you know, you, you're like, Oh, this is kind of a peaceful song. And then you start listening to the lyrics. You're like, wow, this is kind of disturbing. <laughs> this is kind of creeping me out a little bit. Oh boy. Because folk music can just get into that place where you're like, wow, this is, oh, uh, 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 has anybody investigated this? Is this, yeah. is this okay? Yeah. Um, but a phenomenal album. I actually still know probably 95% of the lyrics to this album. Yeah. Just off, it's, it's locked away somewhere in the back of my head. It won't come out. But so, so I, in high school, I want to say my sophomore year, uh, took a, our, our, the band because I was a band geek growing up. And uh, we went to Canada. I don't know why. There was just an exchange concert type of thing that happened. And we went up to Canada. And everyone talked about this band, Bare Naked Ladies. And I didn't end up going to the concert. They were having a concert in, I wish I could remember what the, what the freaking city was that we went to. But I, I don't even know that. But it was at, like the, it was at a hockey arena. Because didn't of course, you guys go to Montreal? It wasn't Montreal. It was... Uh, oh, okay. It was... Crap! Because, ladies and gentlemen, Todd and I went to the same high school. Yeah, didn't know each other very well then. We knew of each other probably, but uh, clearly the world wasn't ready for the friendship at that point. (laughs) No, no, I can't remember what it was. But anyways, so there was there was a concert and a bunch of people went to it and they're like, "Oh, these guys are great and all that." So the the host family that I was staying with, we had to go pick someone up, and we were in the parking lot, and this dude was out there selling T-shirts and. As if you've been to concerts where they're doing this, those are not authorized T-shirt sellers. <laughs> so, but you can get yourself a cut-rate shirt. And so I bought a I bought a bare naked lady bare naked ladies T-shirt, and then we went around the parking lot like three more times. And the third time when we had picked up the person that we were there to pick up and we're leaving, the dude I bought a T-shirt from was up against a car getting arrested oh the, by the cops. <laughs> Like, is it one of those things where they made the T-shirt and like one of the letters was off, like it was bare naked Lodies or something? No, no, it was it was perfectly authentic. They just okay. <laughs> they just uh, they were they were not giving their cut to the band, and that was not cool. Oh boy, but not good. Uh, I just love this. I, I've always I've loved this band since I first listened to them because they have an incredible sense of humor. Yeah, ab- yeah. about themselves, about music. Uh, there's a there's a, a song on here called Be My Yoko Ono, which is all <laughs> about you know, kind of like instead of talking, you know, they're talking about I would gladly give up musical genius if you would be my personal Venus. So it's talking about like this this you know, this person is writing a love letter like, you know, I would yeah. give up everything just for you, just like John Lennon gave up the Beatles for for Yoko Ono sort of thing. And it's goofy and it's funny, but it's it's also extraordinarily well written and played. Yeah. And yeah. and then some of their uh, other like kind of serious songs is kind of cool and Oh man, it's just a great album, great musicality, and um, it just forever will probably be stuck in my head somewhere. It's imprinted itself on my DNA nice. at this point, point. Um, and it was it was recorded and released in 1992. Wow. So this album was actually fresh off the presses when I was up in Le Canada. Le Canada. Hey, like I I remember when I was in college, I was working an internship, and I so I would, you know be listening to the radio, you know, while I was doing work and stuff. And were they pretty big in Portland? Yes. Okay, because yeah, I was getting a Portland radio station that was doing more kind of like 
90s, you know, grunge and other type yeah, music. Yeah, it was uh, probably FNX, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, I remember they, they were like, like, I thought the Bare Naked Ladies were like being contracted out by this radio station because they were like nuts about them. It was, it, and yeah. it, it was great. You know, that was my, that was like my gateway into their music um, mm-hmm. and, and hearing them. And, and so, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, they were they were very big. Well, I mean, because of course you know Maine not being that far from the Canadian border, it's you you kind of get that crossover. I mean, living in Maine right now, I'll tell you, it's weird this it's weird this year because there are no Canadian plates. Because normally yeah. this is like the the coast of Maine in summer is the French Canadian Riviera. You see Nova Scotia, Quebec, Alberta plates everywhere and there's none this year because of course the borders close for tourism and it is the weirdest thing it is the weirdest thing to not see all those plates running around Um, so yeah it's only natural that you would have a band like bare naked ladies that would kind of have that crossover appeal to places close to the border interesting so what is your number three sir Uh, actually so you got number three here which would actually be number four (laughs) Well, before I go there, I, I have to ask, how are you doing? Because we've gone an entire show without saying the names Adama, Ty, Lee, <sighs> Starbuck. Are, are you holding up okay, bub? I'm not doing well. But then again, I'm also I'm sweating my butt off right now. I'm, <laughs> oh, gosh. It's like a sauna in here. The things I'm, we I'm, sacrifice for the show. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I do appreciate you sticking it out, my friend. <laughs> oh, for oh. the people. I'm, I'm gonna have to change T-shirts here in a minute. This is getting ridiculous. If <laughs> oh, if you hear Lord. a loud thud, it's just me passing out from heat stroke. Don't worry. All right, I'll just, I'll, I'll carry the rest of the show. <laughs> just go on without me. You've got the outline. All right. Oh, so my number three is uh, Led Zeppelin four by, of course, Led Zeppelin. Um, I'm probably gonna get hung out to dry by the Zeppelin uh, fans that that may. Listen to the show, but uh, this this album for me uh, just has a lot of, you know. Again, I my, my orbit is around classic rock and, and rock and and you know whether it's Black Dog, rock and roll, uh, you know Misty Mountain Hop, uh, and of course, I mean probably the thing that really put it over the edge for me was when the levee breaks. Yes. Oh my gosh, that song. The song's slow enough you can't get a metronome to go down that far. Oh my gosh, that that song is just amazing the drumming is amazing the sound is amazing um and then of course kind of the cherry on top of the sunday that is this record is stairway to heaven which is just a masterpiece um Mm. i i you know battle of evermore four sticks going to california that's another classic i mean there's just so much good stuff on this And, and this is not to say in any way shape or form like this is the best led zeppelin album it's just the one that i gravitate toward a lot um, I just love the energy of it. Um, you're going to hear that word from me a lot. It's not the same as me saying neat, but, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, just, just the music is just, just brings, uh, just having black dog and rock and roll songs one and two on this album. Just, I mean, if, if, if you ever needed a kick in the rear end, this is the album to listen to. <laughs> Jeez yeah. Louise. Uh, they, they, they kick it off and they kick it off strong. And, uh, and it is just, uh, just great driving rock music. Uh, the, the the songs are just excellent. Um, you know, like I said, Stairway to Heaven, uh, Misty Mountain Hop, I love. Um, just just because there's some kind of high energy rock song that I think incorporates some some Tolkien into it. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I, what would a rock album be without a Hobbit or two? Uh, you, you know, you got to get a Lord of the Rings in there, baby. Um, but but for me, when the levee breaks is just one of my, you know, just just one of those favorite songs of mine that I just love, just absolutely love. I love the energy of it. I love the texture of it, the sound of it. And and just uh, it, it's it's just a, a just classic Zeppelin. So for for me, Led Zeppelin four, uh, re- it was uh, recorded uh, between December of nineteen seventy, uh, February of nineteen seventy one, and then released in November eighth of nineteen seventy one. So it, it is a classic. Uh, if you have not listened to this album, I would encourage you to he- listen to it because it is just. You know, pure rock, blues, uh, just just amazing. Just amazing, amazing stuff. So my question is, why would you say that uh, Zeppelin fans would hang out to dry for this one? Well, because as I was going through the their albums, there's cases that can be made for other albums, I think, being... You know, like like when we talk about our top five, you know what I mean. It, there, mm-hmm. There's there's a gravitas that comes with that, and mm. you know, I I, I just don't know if uh, you know some people would prefer earlier Zeppelin, later Zeppelin. I don't know. Uh, you think someone's going to make a case for like Coda? Maybe. I would. I, I mean, would think physical graffiti a more likely candidate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zeppelin two, you could make. Uh, mm. a, a, an argument for there's a lot of good stuff on that ramble on whole lot of love mm. Moby Dick that's a good one three has immigrant song I mean the celebration day I mean they're, they're just they they're it's Zeppelin they 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 I, I don't want to say they can do no wrong but they just have such a deep catalog of good stuff you know it's hard oh yeah it's, yeah. it's really hard to hone in on one area and but but this for me is one I like I said if it's working out or if it's just working uh, or, or running some errands or whatever I, this is one of the albums I throw on just just I love the energy and I love the feel of it so uh, that is my number three nicely done sir oh thank you I think it's a good pick you know I'll defend you against the Zeppelin critics all right thank you sir if they happen to come my way I I mean I'm not gonna I won't be making a drive but you know. I'll, I'll I'll flame them on the internet for you. Thank you, but I do believe, sir, that it is time uh, that we need to give Stevie a peek. Yes, <laughs> we do need to give Stevie a, a peek. Little, <laughs> Can we help Stevie get a peek? The man wrote songs in the key of life, talking book in a vision. Can we get this brother a peek? Just a peek? Is that asking for too much? Just a <laughs> that's it. My my number two album is Stevie Wonder's. Inner Visions. Amen. And this one is uh, Stevie is is very important to me personally in terms of my musical upbringing, because Stevie Stevie Wonder is responsible for the first time that my mind was absolutely blown listening to music, and I remember distinctly. Uh, going through my dad's record collection, and there was he had a greatest hits of Motown album, and it was, it was green. I remember that. I wish I still had it because it'd be awesome to have. I think it was the opening track of Side Two. It might have actually been the opening track of the album, but Stevie Wonder's Uptight just was the first song on that that I dropped the needle on, and the the driving drum beat, mm. the horns, all of that. Just as I listened to it. I, I my eyes were as wide as they could possibly get, yeah. just absolutely melted my brain because I was like, music can sound like that. Mm-hmm. It can do that to your like 
to your brain and to your heart and to your soul and to your gut? Like, what? Uh, huh? Oh, my gosh. So Stevie had to find his way onto this list somewhere. And this is the uh, probably... <sighs> I mean, Songs in the Key of Life is a masterpiece. It just is. Yeah. However, my favorite Stevie Wonder album is Inner Visions. And it is uh, in, kind of in the, in the, in the pantheon of, of Stevie music. It, it's still hallowed territory because this was released in 1974 and began this, this run of, of Stevie just basically laying waste to the, uh, the Grammy for Best Album. And uh, so he won the he won the Grammy for best album for Intervisions in '74, then also won the Grammy in '75 for Fulfillness First Finale, and then uh, he won it in 1977 for Songs in the Key of Life. Now he didn't win in 1976 just because he didn't release an album that year. That's the only reason that he probably did not win. That's the only reason yeah. Paul Simon managed to get in there with, for, for Still Crazy after all these years is because Stevie says, eh, I'm taking the year off. And that was it. That was really it. Yeah. So it, it was a, kind of this the beginning of that chunk of like classic Stevie run in the 70s. Nice. And this was also one of those albums where Stevie pretty much played everything. On the album, yeah. he played drums, keys, bass, guitar, everything. He was flipping amazing, and this is also the album that is uh, so. I mean, goodness gracious, you've got "Living for the City," "Higher Ground," uh, "Jesus, oh. Children of America," "All Is Fair in Love," "Don't You Worry About a Thing," uh, "He's Mr. Know It All," and then you know, "Golden Lady," "Visions," uh, "Too High." I mean, it's just a such a solid album. And I mean, if it had just been like "Higher Ground" nine times, it would still be one of the greatest albums of all time. I love because that song. That song is just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, then to combine it with Living for the City, which is a phenomenal song in that it's kind of broken into these two parts because you have, you have the opening half, and then you go into this part in this interlude where there's like this drama that plays out of this guy is, who moves from the country. And, yeah, uh, is, is, and is Living up, in the City the one where it's like it's about yeah, him going to the city and then getting like arrested and stuff? Yes. 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 Oh my gosh, I love that song. And I love some of the live versions of this song. I think it's in particular there was a ah uh, crud. I'll have to try and find it. But there's one it, usually he does some sort of a uh, some sort of an intro as as he's doing this song live and he'll talk about, you know, how we're 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 coming against injustice, we're coming against racism, we're coming against this, we're coming against yeah. that. And there's one particular one that I, I heard and he's going and he's just railing and he's talking about, you know, about, you know, this is just you know, this and that and the other and and and, and love and all this and then he's like he says, Sometimes I think that if I could see I'd be kicking a whole lot of ass <laughs> Uh, and I was like, yeah, Stevie, you tell him. That's tell right. Him. Preach your brother. Very Get nice. Him. Very nice. Oh, my gosh. But such a, I mean, uh, just a kick-ass song. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and Don't You Worry About a Thing is just phenomenal in mm -hmm. and of itself and is actually uh, happens to be one of my daughter's favorite Stevie Wonder songs, which I just love. That's cool. That's, that she just loves that song. And, and a couple times she's been like, hey, you know what? If we ever get a chance, we ought to go see Stevie Wonder live. I'm like, yes, honey, we should. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know how or when it's going to happen, but if that comes up, yes. But oh my gosh, such a great album. Again, another album that's so well mixed. It's it's yeah. you know, been around forever. It was released in 19 well, it said 1974 and um just well no, released in 1973. It won the Grammy in 74. Okay. But uh oh my gosh, so good. So good. Just <laughs> Unbelievable. May I ask yes. that in the show notes, mm. can you please post that YouTube link to Stevie Wonder playing Superstition on Sesame Street? Yes. Because oh. And, and I, I apologize because I'm taking t- completely away from, from your album. No, but but no, when you started no, talking, not. Stevie, I'm just thinking, my God, if if there is a song that people need to listen to and, and experience and see and feel and hear... I don't know what it was about that particular version of it, but man, does he not bring the house down on that one? Oh, and it just kept going. It's like an eight-minute version of a oh, song. Oh, it like, was awesome. Oh, he just kept going. <laughs> and like the last four minutes is just like a vamp, and the kids are going nuts. And yes. it's, oh. the band is incredible. He is incredible. Oh, his, it was his just band like, was oh, sick. Beautiful. Oh my goodness, his band was sick back in the day. I mean, his mm. band is good now. I mean, good lord, he you can. He can pick whoever he wants at that point. I mean, but yeah. Oh, and and again, Stevie also uh, another one of those things of he's one of those guys that it's really hard to pick one thing that he's good at. It's like Prince. People think Prince gets a lot of accolades as well. He should. Uh-huh. And he, but mm-hmm. the thing is, he probably doesn't get enough individual accolades for individual things that he did. Yeah. Like it's easy to look at Prince and be like, man's a musical genius. Yes, he was. He also happens to be one of the greatest rock funk guitar players ever yeah yeah ever that dude should be in the in the greatest guitar player conversation whenever it happens it doesn't he doesn't necessarily make it because he was just good at everything yeah man could do everything could play everything and 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 people kind of lose that and we because stevie wonder could play everything you kind of forget like sometimes like he is one of the greatest harmonica players Mm. ever Oh yeah! Oh yeah! His harmonica playing is flipping amazing. Yeah, like John Popper w- w- would look at that and go, "Yeah, no." <laughs> I'll come I, in again. <laughs> I I could do more notes, but I can't play like I can't do that. I mean, that's dear Lord. Um, but but vocally, oh, the man. The the best I can describe it is, it's like it's like when you see someone who's double jointed. And they can they can like bend their finger all the way back, and they can or they can like they can bend their arm behind their back or their leg behind, and you're like ah, it's weird, and, but kind of cool at the same time. That was Stevie Wonder's voice. That man can do things with his voice yeah. that I'm convinced most human voices just can't do. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he doesn't necessarily get the the quite the 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 hype for it because he's just good at everything. Yeah. You know, but him, but him doing duets with like Tony Bennett. I, I, I mean, he's uh, he's done opera, but you, I mean, you, you want to know just how hard or how good Stevie is of a singer? Go try and sing some of his stuff, and you'll you'll realize real quick because yeah. you can sound real bad doing it. And I'm I'm a person who <laughs> spent many a year trying to trying to do his songs and just realizing like I ain't never going to sing it like Stevie sung it. That's yeah. just it not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I had to live with that. But it was still fun trying. 
I will say that. So Stevie, very important to me, and I will make sure those uh, those links make sure get into the the show notes. Faux show. Thank you, sir. Solid so pick. Your, Solid pick. What's your number two? Uh, my number two stays within the rock realm. Uh, it is the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm. Again, a... Now, pro- is this the mono or the stereo mix? Uh, this will be the stereo mix, or, <laughs> or as, uh, as it's stated in Spotify, the deluxe edition. Uh, which because I, it you, seems you, like it's just a you know r- repeating some songs over and over again. But anyways, yeah, no, just you know for for me uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Sirius XM had a Beatles channel uh, come to fruition, and it was fun listening to the songs with my kids. Uh, you know, my my both my boys are you know in, in their teen years and kind of figuring out their their musical sensibilities, and so we're. Uh, listening to this as a family and just, you know, there, there's so many just great songs on this album um, that I keep coming back to. Um, I love the Sgt. Pepper's song opener. Um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is a great song. Getting Better. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the songs that, that I, I guess I never really listened to a lot, but it kind of, you know, through this through this station kind of came through and, and really kind of struck me is a very haunting song called She's Leaving Home. Mm, Um, which is really about, you know, a a daughter kind of striking out on her own and and, and leaving, you know, her parents behind and just the effect it's had on the parents and stuff. It's a very haunting song. (laughs) Mm. But, but, you know, the the whole album as a whole is kind of is really a concept album. I think this was the first concept album they created after kind of walking away from touring, I believe. And um, yeah. And so, uh, so, and, 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 the, and there's such a balance all that out. You have for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's bizarre. The like kind of the mood swings on it. It's, but it's all it's over really cool. the place. And, oh yeah. You know, for, from a genre perspective, because you know, they're they're Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is a very you know just kind of out there song. Um, I you know kind of like the Walrus a little bit. You know, and then you have a song that's very kind of wholesome and 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 you know very familial in in when I'm 64. You know, and mm. you know, and then you have lovely Rita Meter Maid. You know, and then Good Morning, Good yep. Morning, and then to to me you have the uh, Peace de. Is it called Le, Le Resistance? Peace de Resistance, yeah, Resistance something like that. Something. Uh, a day in the life, yeah, which is just I I cannot I will never get sick of listening to that song. Mm. I I just I love the blending of the Lennon and McCartney kind of style in that song and and just yes. you know even though the story doesn't really resolve itself in any real concrete way it's just kind of like it's just such an interesting song to listen to <laughs> Oh you can hear so many different things in there every yes. time mm. yeah yeah, there was there was a lot of like musical layering going on. Yeah, so I I just uh, you know it's it's an album I go back to a lot just because there's a lot of tunes that I I really connect with and I, I really enjoy. Um, like I said, some of them are are you know fun and 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 poppy sort of songs. Some of them are very haunting, you know, and and uh, you know, in there is somewhere is within without you, within you without you, which is very. Um, I can't think of the instrument. Uh, I think it was from some of their time with um, the Maharishi there. Um, mm. But George Harrison playing the is it the guitar or scimitar? Oh no, sitar. Sitar. Thank you. I knew it wasn't scimitar. That's a sword. <laughs> yes. 
he 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 done me hacking people up. <laughs> That's a totally different album. Oh my god! But um, but yeah, just just the 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 way the the tone and the style is just so different from song to song and. Um, and you know, there, there are some songs here that, that I, I just like to just pick up the bass and just kind of pluck through the bass line too. I mean, when I'm 64 is a very fun bass line to play. Sergeant Pepper's mm. very fun bass line to play. Um, you know, so it's, 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 uh, just a fun album and, and one that I come back to an awful lot because of the musicality, uh, because of, of, of the, just the, the difference in genre again, much like with Zed, much like with Led Zeppelin four, it's not meant to say this is like the best Beatles album, but it's just a mm. album that I very much enjoy listening to that has just a lot of a lot of you know classic songs from the band and uh, just just a lot of fun and, and enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, I always I've always been a big fan. I mean, of course, it's it, yeah, that's that was one of those albums that you really you have to listen to. You mm-hmm. have to. And Day in the Life is is um, is an amazing song just because it is bizarre and yet awesome all at the same time. Oh, yeah. And and depending on my mood as I listen to it, I'm like, this is this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Or like, this is really cool. I still can't get over like like the the and maybe this isn't the right phrase to use, but the musical texturing that happens when he's singing about you know getting out of bed and walking down the stairs and yes and like the music makes you feel like he's walking down the stairs <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just, oh, it, yeah. it is so interesting how they do that you know and uh yeah it, it's just fun just fun I, i've always been a huge fan of the the reprise though the sergeant pepper's reprise yes yeah because it just it rocks oh and yeah I've, if you if you the reason i was asking about the stereo or mono version is because that was always I heard that at some point or another. It was like, oh, if you really want to hear the Beatles, hear them in mono. And the I, I've done zero research on this, so I'm going on what I'm remembering from different articles. And me remembering stuff is is dangerous because sometimes I am dead on, man. Like yeah. I'll instant recall photographic memory. Other times, apparently, I'm making this stuff up somewhere in the back of my head. There's like a <laughs> there's like a troll running li- living back there, just crossing wires, going try this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if I remember right, the Beatles really only cared about the mono mix of the song. So they would mix the mono yeah. version and then they'd leave. And it was George Martin re- doing the stereo mix. Oh, so the, interesting. the mono mix is supposedly, if I'm remembering correctly, the most pure version of what the Beatles intention was. And I have heard, and I'll try and find some of them. There's, there's a, a bunch of the Sgt. Pepper songs that are the mono mix. Mm-hmm. And man, they, it does feel like there's a different edge to them. There is a difference to them as opposed to the stereo version that I'm that most of us are used to hearing on the album. Yeah, you know, because the mono mix is not what was on the album. Because stereo, hey, that's a that's a big thing now. Like yeah. you'd hear it in one speaker and it goes to the other speaker. Wow. Um, but apparently, the mono, you know, recording is closer to what they originally intended. So, but yeah, fantastic pull, sir. Thank you. Thank you. A true classic. Thank you. Well, we're down to our number ones, my friend. Yes, we are, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm bringing the heavy lumber on this one. All so right, let's hear it. We're going with uh, I feel I feel I've actually managed to come up with some legends here. I mean, of course, Billy Joel, Stevie Wonder, legends, Tower Power, legends amongst people who love you know funk music, bare naked ladies, Canadian legends, certainly uh, probably one of the if not the best selling Canadian band of all time. Next, we're going with a blues legend. And uh, Muddy Waters, the album is Hard Again. And nice. this album, 
this album will kick your ass. It just there's no other way <laughs> to put it because right from the get go, if number one, if you have a turntable and you can find this, I actually got this on vinyl before I had a turntable. I saw it and I had to have it. Mm. Um, I discovered this album when I was in college doing a radio show, of which you were a frequent guest. And yeah, uh, I seem to recall burning the midnight oil at like two a.m., helping you run your show and providing some yeah. entertainment to the masses. It was in a way an early version of Free Range Idiots. It, it it was, and just about <laughs> just as many people listened to it as well. <laughs> Love it. Actually, at probably about the same demographic, we were about fifty percent of people who were in lockup. Yeah, that's basically who was listening to our show. <laughs> and um, so I discovered this album, and it the first track on this is uh, Muddy Waters' uh, "Manish Boy," mm-hmm. which is that uh, if for if you if you remember uh, John Cusack, "Better Off Dead." When the when the when the muscle car is rolling out and just it's been in so many movies and, and is used in so many places, but just that and you have the you have the guy yelling in the background yeah it's just freaking phenomenal. That's awesome. It is an amazing album and it is it, this is kind of almost uh, there's a lot of kind of his greatest hits on this as well mixed in with some some new stuff and oh. The uh, of course, Manish Boy is amazing. Uh, Bus Driver, which is a, a great tune, uh, can't be satisfied. is fantastic. Uh, Cross-eyed Cat, which is actually a song I was, uh, and actually Manish Boy, we we did this as well. But the second band that I I, I was in, uh, Tumble Down Saints, which was a, a blues band, we did Cross-eyed Cat, and it was one of my favorite songs to play because it just it just rocks man it is fan freaking tastic uh and this this album was recorded in just about three days and was uh produced and really kind of organized by johnny winter who is a blues guitarist huge muddy waters uh fan and it was uh released on chess records which was uh muddy's uh, a long-time label, and is just a phenomenal album. The, the kind of funny thing is, if I'm remembering right, again, <laughs> I'm remembering, so Muddy Waters is listed as playing uh, guitar and doing lead vocals. I believe, if I'm remembering my history right, he really, they gave him a guitar credit, but he did not play guitar on this album at all, oh, which is kind of unusual, because yeah. he is a guitar player, and they had his guitar there, and they had everything set up, and he just never, he didn't want to play it, and yeah. which is fantastic, because that's just like the sort of thing that you would expect out of a kind of a, a, a blues recording session of, yeah, we're just going to play these songs, and we're going to cut the album in three days, boom, and it was recorded, everyone in one room, bleed everywhere through all the microphones but yet it is a fantastic mix it is a fantastic album it just has that energy of a live performance and it really i mean this is this album to me is representative of uh just the the love of blues that i've i've picked up along the way yeah. from you know back in the day of like uh you know probably like a lot of people my gateway drug into the blues was the blues brothers mm-hmm. which Granted, if you got to get into the blues, it's not a bad way to go because the the Blues Brothers band was killer, yeah. absolutely killer band, yeah. and um and and John Belushi legit did really well <laughs> singing those songs. Yeah, and Dan Aykroyd was such a lover of the blues, anyways, and um 
and then going through you know different you know Eric Clapton kind of also getting kind of that rock blues sort of feel in the in the late 80s early 90s sort of stages of his career and then getting into college and then really getting back into more you know kind of older blues albums and and you know getting into Albert King and then discovering Muddy Waters and you know Pine Top Perkins and just a a bunch of other artists and that so this kind of represents that that blues area of um uh, of of my musical love you know it could have as just as easily have been another album which would have been albert king steve ray vaughn live in session yeah. which is another phenomenal blues album that i should have had in my honorable mentions but i i don't because i'm an idiot apparently <laughs> so uh but yeah this this one kind of represents just that love of blues and yeah. uh if you're gonna if you're gonna do that i mean psh, muddy waters man he's he's the man can't so go wrong well. Yeah, I mean, when the Rolling Stones use one of your songs as the uh, basis of their name, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of, you know, and that was always, that was another great thing of just the Stones covering some of Muddy Waters' songs where they're like, we can't do them as good as he can, so we just try and speed them up and do them, you know, more energy and hope that people don't notice. Yeah. I was like, that's fantastic, because no, you can't be as cool as Muddy Waters was. That's you just awesome. can't. Yeah. So, uh, what's your what's your top album? I'm I'm noticing there's a band that has been distinctly missing from really? your list, and I think this might be in in top. I'm gonna guess this is uh, Loverboy. <laughs> <laughs> their their debut album, or is it? Are we? Are you gonna go Night Ranger? Ah, uh, you you know me too well, my friend. Uh, Night Ranger. Maybe, no. Maybe maybe Ario Speedwagon. Oh, there we go. I can't, can't fight, this, fight feeling this feeling anymore. No, God! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, God, please, no! No! Oh, Let's... gosh, scarred for life. No! Um, yeah. <laughs> no! My number one, shockingly. The dark side of the 80s. <gasps> yes, yes. Shockingly, uh, if, if you have, or if you are a... Uh, ardent listener of this show and, and know we dedicated an entire episode to this band uh, with with your with your friend or your friend our friend Michael Brindamore mm. I, I met him through you uh, but the number one uh, album for me will be from the band Rush uh, who who is and will probably most likely be my favorite band uh, you know for for the span of my lifetime uh, but the album in question is going to be Permanent Waves, which uh, is celebrating a 40th year anniversary this year. Wow. So, yeah, Permanent Waves uh, is, as I kind of, uh, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, uh, kind of in a way, I mean, I don't think intended by the band, but it, it stands as the first of a trilogy of albums that kind of defined, you know, the band's popularity. Um mm. This album has uh, Spirit of Radio, um, has Free Will, uh, which, you know, as a bass player, listening to Free Will and listening to Getty Lee just go to town on the bass in kind of the middle part of the song is just just like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to play that and play it well. But Spirit of Radio was one of my and another things from a couple weeks, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago. And just the, you know, if there was ever a song that kind of had a, a feeling of, of, of freedom, fun, and just, you know, joy, uh, th that song exudes it. And, and I really, really enjoy listening to it. Free Will is, is just a great, just a great, you know, uh, th this band is known for their, for their musicianship. And this song really encapsulates that, that musicianship very, very well. 
uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 bo- in both, uh, you know, not only in just the rhythm section with, with drums and bass, but, but with the guitar as well. Uh, Jacob's Ladder is an interesting song. Um, it, it, it varies from time signatures that go from 5-4, If this band, uh, it, you know, if you think this band doesn't want to just, like, mess you up with the time signatures, uh, you would be sorely mistaken. They, I, just, I, why? I, I, just why? Just <laughs> why? And you can tell that I'm just a person who can't count. Like, just why? Why would you why? do that to me? <laughs> why are you just trying to make things complicated? What, what's wrong with four or three? Music like, seriously. is supposed to be fun and straightforward. It's not supposed. To, I'm not supposed to need a graphing calculator to figure out what the hell's going on. You need a map. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But now this this uh, this uh, album really has only I mean it only has six songs on it. Um, so uh, I talked about Spirit of Radio, Free Will, Jacob's Ladder, Entree News, a great song, different strings, good song. But the the last song is really um, along with Spirit of Radio and Free Will, uh, one of my favorites. And I'm actually in the process. I'm about a third of the way of learning this song, and believe me. This song uh, builds up your muscle memory and forearm strength and wrist strength as you play it is natural science. Um, it it has it has some pretty crazy bass licks going on, and uh, it's 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 a challenge. But this is like my quarantine <laughs> lockdown uh, challenge uh, of of fun that I'm trying to do here to 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 master or at least get to a place where I can play this song with some proficiency. So. So yeah, so so permanent waves is is really kind of uh, it, it was a departure from them. It was released uh, January fourteenth, nineteen eighty. It was a departure for them from uh, the prior two albums, Hemispheres, and uh, oh gosh, what was the other one? Oh. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Um, oh, I know. Boy. Exposed. No. Oh Exposed. boy. I think a farewell. The Canadians to Kings. are going to be out out to get you now, I think man. Farewell to Kings. Yeah. They all hate you. Actually, what am I thinking? Yeah, of course, Rush is going to be the best-selling Canadian band of all time. Not not bare naked ladies. Uh, Has to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and a farewell to Kings is is the prior album to Hemisphere. So th- those two albums involved really really complicated and long songs if you know jacob's ladder wasn't complicated enough for you uh listen to hemispheres um because there's uh i I believe there's only uh four songs on that album and they're about 20 minutes long each i think (laughs) sheesh no 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 cygnus x1 is the longest one on it and then the other ones are are shorter la villa strangiata is about nine minutes but they they played some very uh, like La Villa Strangiata was one of those songs that just completely stretched the band in terms of what they could do and I think that was the one I think I think Mike and I were talking about this and during that episode that that was the one where they actually had to stop trying to record it in one shot and break it up into pieces so that they could actually complete recording it because they tried for like four days and they couldn't get it or something so mm-hmm. um, but anyways going back to the the pick at hand permanent waves. Um, was kind of their their move into more poppy sort of shorter songs um, and and really you know didn't depart from for the depth in the lyrics uh, you know Neil Peart was always bringing the the heavy lumber when it came to the lyrics and and the message in the song but but these songs are, are shorter and just have uh, just just some really good uh, just feel to them and musicality to them and 
just kind of uh, it started a, a trend for them that moved into moving pictures, which was really you know the album that that made them huge, and then Signals after that. That's kind of that trilogy I was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so so this one for me held a special place in my heart. It's one I like to listen to a lot, uh, and you know, like I said, especially Spirit of Radio and Natural Science. Those those are two two of my favorites. So so nice. Rush Permanent Waves. And just just to show that I actually do do some research occasionally, I, I don't know how I miss this one. Now I'm doubly stupid. Okay, so coming up at the, the top two all-time selling Canadian artists, yes. of course Celine Dion. Of course Celine Dion. <laughs> I am the greatest singer in all the world. Um, and, and then, of course, Shania Twain, who I didn't realize was Canadian. Oh, that's right. She is. Yes. Isn't I she from Vancouver? I, uh, somewhere. I don't know. I, th- I think she's from Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. The, the, the specific article is behind a paywall, so I'm not able to see it. <laughs> and I, I don't feel like paying any money for of this right now. Of course it is. <laughs> but Celine Dion and Shania Twain, who I didn't even know was Canadian. And, and then, so then the, the other two that pop up in the, in the Google search, and this is kind of... Again, it's like I feel like I'm playing. You know, you, you you'll remember back. I don't know anyone who's listening will remember, but the old MTV game show Remote Control when they used to do Dead or Canadian. Oh yes, and you had to figure out if the if a celebrity that they named was either dead or if they were Canadian. <laughs> and sometimes it was tough because the person that they named hadn't done anything in a while. So you're like, oh boy, they, I don't know. Like they might they might be dead, and so playing this is sort of like wow i did not know they were canadian uh apparently drake is canadian and oh, sarah mclaughlin oh I, I, wow. again i just i just know that she has that really sad song that every like you know animal commercial has and makes you feel guilty i never i uh, okay i guess she's canadian too so yeah right there those four i mean that's like billions of albums right there. Probably billions just with Celine Dion. And then you think about all the, all the albums that Shania Twain has moved yeah. over the years. Good Lord Almighty. Rush wishes they had those numbers. And, and Bare Naked Ladies wishes they had Rush numbers. So, you know, you, you get down far enough and eventually you wind up at like Brian Adams. And he's like, hey, anyone remember me? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and everyone resoundingly says, no. Robin uh, Hood dude. <laughs> yeah. I think my last trip to Munich, I think my last trip to Munich, Germany, there were some massive posters up in the train, like the train stations that I, where I would take the train to work and back to the hotel. There were these massive like Brian Adams posters. I'm like, really? <laughs> apparently Brian he's Adams still active. Big in Germany. Him and David Hasselhoff. Uh, apparently so. You know, maybe they were doing a, maybe they're doing a joint tour. Who knows? Uh, so now we have some honorable mentions because, like I said, before, at the top of this thing, we Ugh. can never limit to the number that we we start with. So I'm just going to run through mine real quick. Yeah, yeah. And and then you can run through yours real quick, and then we'll we'll kind of sew this thing up. Uh, so if, if you notice, none of the none of the albums that we talked about today uh, are are anything even close to being recent. So I tried yes. to kind of include some recent stuff. Uh, so two two of these albums are, are from the past year or a couple of years. So one of these was another was one of my and another things from a few episodes ago. Uh, Surreal and me uh, move on a Sondheim adventure, which is fantastic. If you haven't checked that out, you need to do it now. She is one of the most talented vocalists that is around right now. Phenomenal. Can't say enough about her. 
Uh, the other one made a huge stir. Uh, Fiona Apple fetched the bolt cutters, which is a, a, I mean, you have to listen to it. You just have to listen to it. It's, it is alternately bizarre and powerful. And I, I don't have a really great way of describing it, except that I listened to it and I just kind of sat there the whole time thinking like, this is, this is amazing. And also really kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's always then, been uh, kind of her MO though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then like of course, even when she keep like when she became big back in the nineties and stuff like that, I just remember mm. that, uh, I think it was called criminal was the song. Right? Yes. Which and, is such a killer song and, too. And I, one I went back th- and listened to that a, f- a few months ago. I was like, "Damn, this yeah. is really good." And and one of the things that made that song kind of stick in my head, at least, was just you know her voice, the yeah. the the very uh, unique voice, the haunting nature of the song in a lot of ways, and and just mm-hmm. kind of the not I don't mean to say syncopation, but there's a way she sings that just kind of makes it very memorable in your head. You know, she, she yes. just has a way about her style. Yeah. And is, she's still got that style. Cause yeah, it, it, it's like, Oh, that album could have been released like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you'd still be like, Oh wow. And it, she sounds phenomenal. It absolutely sounds, you know, vocally sounds phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, just a great, great album and a recent cut to make it actually seem like I'm relevant. And then we go uh, into another another genre, which I, I have a lot of love for, for no good reason, I guess, because it's not my own heritage. But I just I've glommed onto it like a mofo. Uh, yeah, Flogging Molly, Drunken Lullabies, which is like Irish punk uh, rock. Oh man, it's phenomenal. These guys are amazing. Nice. I love it. And, and, and uh, quite honestly, you got to check them out and then try and learn some of the bass parts, because if you need to get rid of some anxiety and some, like some stress, dude, just playing along with some like Irish punk music with this guy just screaming and uh, with an accent is just, it's phenomenal. It just works everything out, but it has that album in particular has some of the, the, my favorite songs of theirs. Uh, then after that Sly and the family stone, uh, greatest hits, which was the, the CD that I kind of got to really get me into them. And like I said, Sly was a huge inspiration in terms of me starting a band and, and how I shaped that band. And man, nice. If Sly just could have kept himself a little bit straighter in terms of his uh, his drug use and um, <laughs> uh, his ego, man, just he already left us an amazing catalog. But if he could have controlled his self-destructive appetites and habits a little bit more, damn, it just he would have he would have been right up there with some of just the uh, absolute top like Rush, Mount Rushmore kind of characters in music history. I mean, he kind yeah. of already is, but he could have done so much more, but he just got to a point where he was just, he was such a a pain in the butt to deal with. People just didn't want to deal with him anymore, which is amazing when you think that this is a guy who's recorded such amazing music. Uh, but uh, again, a great sampling of his stuff and uh, a great, a, a great greatest hits album. <laughs> I wonder if there's. I wonder if there's a greatest hits of greatest hits. <laughs> no, that's silly. Anyways, uh, then the last honorable mention for me is kind of a, a little bit of a bizarre one, but it's a band called Alabama Three, and the album is called Exile on Cold Harbor Lane. Chances are people know this band, but they don't know them. They are the ones who recorded "Woke Up This Morning," the Sopranos theme song mm. from the HBO series. 
phenomenal song yeah. this album is like one of their first albums one of their first full-length albums and has that song plus a whole bunch of others they are just a very odd band to combine you know country blues uh and and like gospel and then like rave Go figure, dude. And wow. they had this mythology built up. Like the, the yeah. Alabama Three was built up as these. They were escapees from an Alabama prison. Hmm. That's how the, the the name came about, the mythology. And so everyone kind of had a, a name in the band, and they all had the same last name, and the name was Love. So you have the lead singer, who is Larry Love. And then uh, his, his co-conspirator, kind of co-vocalist, was the very reverend D. Wayne Love. And uh, and oh my gosh, it's just it's this bizarre thing. But man, it's great. It is absolutely great nice. and just kick ass music. Nice. So what do you got for honorable mention, sir? Uh, so a few that I was going to, you know, it, 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 like you said, it's hard. You know, you, you can't have everything. It's, it, it is a quantified list. Uh, these are some that I would I would throw in there, though. Miles Davis, uh, the man with the horn. That was uh, mm. one of the songs off of that was uh, one of my and another things from a few months back. Um, Billy Joel, 52nd Street. Yep. Uh, is just a phenomenal, phenomenal album. Let me uh, just pull it up real quick. Uh, Billy Joel on the cover with a trumpet that he don't play. Yes. Which is I, I was I just always love that I'm like dude you don't play that uh, Big Shot <laughs> Honesty mm. My Life I mean th- those are like three classics like right there <laughs> Oh yeah My Life is such a great tune oh, it really fantastic. is fantastic Zanzibar I love that so- I, I love the feel of that song and mm. and it's got an amazing trumpet solo in the middle of it mm-hmm. uh, just just a fantastic one uh, Rosalinda's Eyes uh, is the first time I heard that song, there are some songs that I hear and the, how do I say it? Like, like as Billy Joel sings it, he takes the melody in a place where you don't expect it to go, but it, yeah. it, it is just amazing. And mm-hmm. it makes so much sense when you hear it, but it does something emotionally to you. You know, mm. and he does something kind of in the middle or towards the end of that song with Rosalinda's eyes. It's just, I, I just love it. I love the vocal. I love the song. Um, you know, until the night, Fifty uh, Second Street's a great one. I have a funny story about Stiletto, though. Mm. So, oh, such a like, oh my gosh, such an angry like. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, just I done me wrong sort of thing. Yes. Well, here's oh. what's funny. So on this, so. Like every so often on on Sirius XM, they'll have a Billy Joel channel for like a month. Okay, mm-hmm. it, it, it comes and goes, and you know it's playing all of his greatest stuff and whatever. And and they have people who call in, and and they play these calls. And this guy calls in, and he talks about how he learned how to play stiletto for his wedding. No, God, please, no. And I'm what? listening to stiletto, and I'm like. This is not a song I would play at my wedding. Okay, so I got a I got a good one here for you. So I mean, would would you agree with that or am I just off oh, my nut? Th- oh no, no. That guy was that guy had mental problems or he just never heard the song I mean, before. It's it's stylistically great song, but to play at a wedding for your wife? What are you oh, saying yeah. about her? So 
so here, I, here's here's a good one. So when I was when I I had my first band and we were going to play a wedding. Yeah. And we were not we didn't start out as a wedding band. We got a couple gigs doing weddings because you know they pay and people ask to do them and and why not. Right. right. So we did this first song and we were trying to find some ballads to do because you got to play slow songs. Sure. Crying a lot. People got to dance, and we didn't really have a ton of them. So we added a couple of slow songs, and one of them that we ad- we had kind of in the mix was uh, the Commodores' "Easy Like Sunday Morning." Okay. Fantastic song. Fantastic song. Not a wedding song. Not when you really think about the lyrics. I was about to. Call- <laughs> I was about to call it out, and then all of a sudden I remembered, "I'm leaving you in the morning." Like, oh wait, no, 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 no. Next song. <laughs> Uh, Al Green, let's stay together. That one, yeah, let's oh, go with that one. Oh man, oh yeah. What what was that dude thinking? And I'm guessing that he was probably divorced like five minutes later. Well, I, I was gonna say I don't know how long that must have lasted because I, I I understand like wanting to learn a song and liking a style of a song, but the phrase "time and place" comes to mind. <laughs> You know, the more I think about it, I think that guy's making it up. I think he made it up just so he could get on the on serious, maybe, and, and and do that because they knew that they would pluck that one out because it's so weird. It's so out, that, it's so out. You'd there. You'd have to be an absolute, like you'd almost have to be like ruled mentally incompetent. Yes. Like you, you would if if you were going to trial, someone would hear that story and be like, "Your Honor, this man needs to be committed. He is not fit to stand trial." He's not even fit to not to just be wearing regular people underwear. He needs to be wearing like <laughs> depends because we can't trust him with anything. I mean, apparently, if, if I remember the story right, he was saying like he even had his best men like you know pl- do the the snap because there, there's there's snapping going on. Yeah, and I'm thinking yeah, that, that I, and I'm I'm playing this in my head like this doesn't end well. <laughs> No, I, the more I'm thinking about it, that's made up. You think it's that made is, up? Yeah, I think it's made up. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Makes for a good story, though. Oh, it does. It's, but I, it's it, just so out there and crazy. But yeah. but uh, have you listened to Zanzibar? That, that that was one I didn't really hear until I listened to Sirius XM. Honestly, I I know I've heard it at some point because I'm pretty sure I've heard every single Billy Joel song okay. that there is. But I don't. I cannot remember it right off the top of my head. He to my, projects some to my really good emotion in that song. And I, I mean, all it is is about a guy who goes to a bar you know to pick up women basically and play his guitar or something like that but the way he sings it it, it just has that kind of new york style to it you know what i mean like yeah. it just it's very billy joel when you hear it and mm-hmm. uh i mean yeah in the middle of it there's just this incredible trumpet solo that i just i just love hearing it every time the song is on it's just like hmm. i mean it, and it's great it's like blah, 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 blah. i mean it's just like crazy you know it's like so fast and and just technical and i i, I don't know just stuff like that just clicks with me Nice. So Billy Joel, 52nd Street. Uh, again, honorable mention, I talked about the, the, the trilogy of Rush uh, uh, to complement Permanent Waves. Uh, I have Moving, Pi- Moving Pictures, uh, which you know has Tom Sawyer, YYZ, uh, just a lot of their, their, uh, their popular. Excuse me, that's, that's YYZ. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Canada. I, no, I just want to get some points from Brendan Moore when he's listening in. I just you know, <laughs> Just I'll, to make up for all of the mistakes that I made during that of podcast. Of course, of course. Um, and then signals, which uh, which Mike and I talked about at some length uh, dur- during during that particular episode. Uh, just just uh, great, great uh, album with um, you know just songs that kind of you know that's when they kind of entered into their synth 
you know kind of phase but it really they they captured very nicely and they, and they did this in in permanent waves too with with spirit of radio there was kind of like a reggae flavor to that song and and just the way they kind of weave different styles in um mm. you know like like uh like di- like digital man was was just a very bass heavy song but you get into songs like analog kid new world man are very you know kind of synth heavy and kind of representative of that time subdivisions was just such a great kind of coming of age song and just i think very representative of a lot of you know that high school angst of of being kind of the unpopular kid you know not being a part of the group um mm-hmm. for, for me losing it is is a great i talked about this at length with mike uh, on that episode losing it is just a, a song i really enjoy so signals mm-hmm. and, and and moving pictures and then finally uh, my last honorable mention is uh, you know, Led Zeppelin too. I kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier. Uh, just, just again, another great album with, with a lot of classic Zeppelin songs on it. So, um, th- those are my honorable mentions. And another thing. So what do you got for another, and another thing this week, sir? So my, and another thing is, uh, and, and it is on strictly the WWE network. So this may really, <laughs> <laughs> Put a crimp on people wanting to watch this, but uh, yeah. if, if, if you can do the free month or something, uh, and, and you're someone who who has a slight interest in professional wrestling, uh, I, I do want to highly recommend uh, there. There's a, a four, uh, sorry, I think it's a five episode series called uh, Undertaker: The Last Ride, and it is uh, essentially documenting uh, from I believe 2017 until now basically his journey to kind of closing out his career Mm. and i'm recommending it because it it really captures for me the the struggle that i think a lot of these guys have knowing when to say when Mm. in their career and and the first episode for example looks at uh, his match, his match with Todd's favorite wrestler, Roman Reigns. Oh, <laughs> freaking this guy! <laughs> no! But what, but what was very kind of interesting about that match is uh, he was physically not in a very good place. Um, he he really struggled physically in that match. There was even a point where there was a botched spot where uh, where Reigns was supposed to flip into. Uh, putting him into a into his signature move the tombstone pile driver and an undertaker just fell over and he he just couldn't he, he just couldn't pull the move off they they tried it a second time he fell over again and and you know it's it, what, what i think is appropriate for this being kind of the end of his career is the way he just opens the door into his his life uh it, it, for those who are uninitiated with wrestling the undertaker is probably one of those gimmicks that uh, and, and, and the man who plays him probably protected that gimmick more than any other character I think that's ever really been in in, in the wrestling universe. Um, yeah, that's fair to say. I think. And and this series, he he opens the door full full fledged. I mean, he it's it's everything. You 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 hear from his wife, you hear from his kid, you hear from him, Mark Calloway, the man. He talks you through what he's thinking. He talks you through what what his thought process was. It was just really interesting, and 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 it was interesting because of 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 the human element that got brought into it. You know, he felt like he had to prove himself again after that match, and so you see, you know, in episode two and episode three, the ways he kind of comes back. He comes back stronger. He has a good match, and you start to see the cycle that begins where it's like, well, I had a good match. Well, maybe I should have another good match. 
Yeah. And yeah. then something bad happens, and now he has to prove himself again. And so it's like this very, you know, th- this sort of maddening cycle he gets into where he he wants to end his career on a high note, but when he en- but when he does have a high note, he wonders, can he do more? Yeah. And it really all culminates with what actually, and it was interesting. I mean, it culminates with what happened a couple months ago when they when they had to be creative with WrestleMania and and do it out of their performance center because of uh, what happened with COVID-19. Uh, but for him, it was probably one of the best things that could have happened because he had this great story going into that match with AJ Styles. And it really shows how even though, you know, they, they got thrust into this really odd situation of, of performing without a crowd, they ended up turning it into a cinematic match Mm. which really hadn't been done before and so he had and it was really kind of a it was a very well done match i don't know had had you seen it oh yeah no i i it, it, i would not put it in the in i would be very and, and maybe i've just been listening to too much jim coronet and it's <laughs> coloring me I've 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 got a I've got my I've got my sprite and 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 my tennis racket right here and I'm 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 about ready to get old and curmudgeonly, but it, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a great wrestling match because it it wasn't no no in any no. way shape or form a, a a wrestling match per se it was a fantastic it was probably it was the a fight. best well no it was the best piece of sports entertainment I have ever seen yeah yeah because sports entertainment is that bit where it's it's it really isn't as focused on the actual moves and and the story within a match yeah. that that professional wrestling is it's more reliant on you know character and 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 kind of story that takes place outside of the actual physical confrontation yeah. but i think it it was a fantastic you know show it was a fantastic match in those circumstances and it works so well not having the crowd because again like you like you and i had mentioned like you could hear the smack talk between the two of them and 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 undertaker basically you know just goading aj styles on added so much to that you know yeah but both of them were were just on the money both of them yeah and and for 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 them to just go off the cuff like that and Mm -hmm. and do what they did and and just the way that he kind of and, and he talks about how it, it was kind of a perfect blend of, of three of his characters. You know, there was the Undertaker, there was the American badass version of the Undertaker, and then there was Mark Calloway, the man. Yeah. And how he blended those three into this match. Uh, and, and and when it was all said and done, he looked back at it and was like, I just participated in, in the first of this kind. It was, you know, just all around well received. You know, and, and, and just and just, you know, finally him coming to peace with all that, you know, uh, yeah. w- was just w- was really enjoyable to watch. Um, it, it, you know, this is a character who started when I was, I think, a sophomore or a freshman in high school um, mm-hmm. when the yeah, I think Undertaker first debuted in 89. And so, you know, he's been at it for almost 30 years. And and, you know, as and he did, I mean, he had a career before that. Yeah, he'd, he'd been wrestling for a few years before that. Yeah, yeah, and and so to see someone, you know, is trying so hard, you know, at, at at the, I mean, he's fifty five years old. At some point, it just ha- you, you, you got to shut it down, and, and yeah, and but but this is something that I think plagues a lot of guys who who and and you know ladies who who participate in this is knowing when to to walk away. 
So, so I, I'm just recommending it to you. It was just a very human story, uh, and it really kind of brings out the, the, the human side of what these performers go through um, because a lot of what you see with wrestling, I know, can be hokey and weird and you know fun, but at the same time, they're still people. And, mm-hmm. and this was a really... I, I thought it was a really poetic way for him to kind of close his career out, not only by showing how he gets to that point, but by finally opening the doors to who he is as a person. Um, so, so anyway, so I'm, I'm recommending Undertaker The Last Ride on the WWE Network. Nice. And you might have actually convinced me to, to try and view that somehow, even though I am, I am vi- I'm viscerally un- uh, opposed <laughs> to the WWE Network <laughs> because their app was such crap the I last know. couple times I tried to use it. It was so frustrating. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Getting those texts from you like, let's just watch the replay. (laughs) Oh, it was wretched. It was wretched. (laughs) And and you, sir, what what is your end another thing? Well, And I kind of alluded to this one. I I didn't realize this. I didn't scroll all the way down in our notes here, but I was a little uh, prescient in this. Here we go. You you were, and and you're always prescient. I'm not even sure I know what that means, but yeah, you are. I'm going to grant you that and and hope that you've actually looked it up because I haven't. Uh, But I want to put this in because, uh, again, talking about kind of that musical upbringing, this this was kind of the culmination of some of that. Um, So I'm going to recommend... uh, Oh, man, I... It feels weird to recommend something that I did, okay? So I'm not trying to do this for fame or fortune because, quite honestly, I knew that when I started a band, it wasn't going to be about the money because there wasn't a whole lot to be had. So money, uh, money, I'm going to recommend... Make money, money, make money, money, money! I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to recommend the the band the the, the album that my band re- recorded back... Oh, my gosh. How many years ago was this? Might almost be ten years now. Anyways, uh, but my band Mama's Boom Shack, we recorded one album, and it's called Speed of Soul. And uh, check it out, and it is—it's just uh, for me. It's kind of the culmination of all that musical upbringing. There was a lot that went into it, that was me, but it was also a lot from the rest of the band. It was—it was truly a group effort, um, and it was uh, just a phenomenal group of musicians on that album. That I. I at the time and even right now, I would put that band up against any of the other bands that were around uh, the area at that point in time. They, I, I, I was stupidly blessed to play yeah. with with musicians of that caliber and and to be to constantly be wondering to be thinking like I am the least talented guy in the room. So. <laughs> And that was kind of the mentality I carried into oh. it. And it, it always, I mean, these guys made me work so hard yeah. to be better, uh, a better singer, a better musician, a better writer, all of that. And I am so appreciative of that because it has paid dividends. And uh, it showed in this album. The album is, I think, just, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it has a couple of goofy moments. Um, and it's it's just a, it was a, it was a great time recording it to, mm-hmm. to work in a, a an actual professional recording studio, even even though we we did this we did this as as quick as we could because we didn't have a ton of money. I need money. Yeah. So this album was actually recorded in five days, recorded wow. in five days, and mixed in four days. So just under a week and a half uh, studio time, nice. and then we actually ended up getting it mastered at Gateway uh, Mastering in uh, in Portland, which is they they've got enough. Grammys and gold records and platinum records to uh, just turn the streets of Portland uh, gold. It's rather ridiculous to yeah. say that 
and uh, the 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 person who actually mastered the album, Adam Ayan, a uh, wonderful guy. He has uh, at the time he had three Grammys to his name. Wow. Uh, he he might have another one. Bob Ludwig is the guy who is the 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 guy who's in charge. He's one of the guys who he masters for Springsteen and Billy Joel and U2 and all these other guys. And uh, they'll they'll come into Portland sometimes to be there for the mastering sessions and they have their secret entrance they go in and out of it you know so wow. they don't have to they don't have to deal with us peasants uh, Never. however however i just uh, the one it, when i was going to master the album so this is the funny part okay because i have to diffuse this with some funny because i feel weird enough you know like pimping my own stuff here so i actually felt like a true musician when i went to the mastering session for this album. So I, I was, I pulled up to gateway, uh, and to, to go in and have the album mastered. I had our, our final mixed copy in my hot little hands and I was going to bring it in and there's parking meters out in front of the, of the building. I realized I had no money. I had no change for the parking meters. None. It wasn't one of the little credit card things. It was the old school, like you got to have quarters. Oh geez. And I had nothing. However, I had the money for the for the mastering, which was a, a not insignificant amount. <laughs> we were spending a lot of money to have this mastered, yet I didn't have the money to pay for parking. Oh my gosh! I was like, "This is a true musician problem to be spending <laughs> this much money to have an album mastered, but I ain't got like two dollars and quarters." Where's the to, caddy? To... I sold uh, it for what? Exactly. I traded it for a microphone. All right, yeah. I get that. <laughs> I need money. I, and that moment, I'm like, you know what? This, I, I'm a true musician now. Oh, that's awesome. To have something like this happen. So that was that was great. So check it out. If you like it, that's great. If not, and you know, if I'm it's not, not going to hurt my feelings. This is your connection to one uh, Jimmy Dice? Yes. Uh, I, was, I actually I had it in my mind to make sure I mentioned that. Yes, Jimmy Dice was the trombone player for Mama's Boom Shack. He was also uh, my, my joint hype man. Because he was always the one to do the social media announcements and all that fun stuff. Because I would be, nice. I would be talking to the band like, yeah, changing up the set list in mid. Because I, I, this is not the first time I've done this sort of stuff. I'd be changing up the set list in mid in mid set, and I'd turn to James. I'd be like, I'd be like, talk to him, and he would just start, you know, doing yeah. his thing. And and I'm like, dude, you've got this. I'd be telling everyone, all right, we're gonna do this song, not this song, you know. And so yeah, he was he was a, he was the trombone player backup vocals uh, and raconteur extraordinaire Very for nice. Mama's Boom Shack Very yes nice. fantastic band fantastic band uh, and I'm not saying that just because I was in it I'm saying it because those those cats were amazing taking myself completely out of it Very cool. so we have now reached the end of this portion of the idiotacy and uh, we'd like to thank you all once again for, for hanging with us for downloading for sharing and uh, you know what Dang it, if you made this far, perhaps you better get yourself a cold one on us because you deserve it for, for making it the past couple hours. Uh, we hope that we've expanded your your listening repertoire and uh, and hopefully that you've decided to subscribe and, and share in the idiocy. And by all means, feel free to let your friends, family, enemies, frenemies know about the show. Uh, we have zero to no standards in terms of who listens. We just like to see our name on the Internet. That's really the entire reason why we do this so uh, we get to this portion in the show and we uh, i just like to say sir yes as sir. the as as the most definitively less 
idiotic of the idiots who run this show. Oh. Sir, I would like for you to do the honors mm. and and take us home. Well, we call this the higher ground edition. Uh, you know, this this is one year. It, it has been a, a pleasure and honor. It has been fun. And I, I'm looking forward to what year two brings us in this uh, journey, in this voyage. Oh, wait, you're not quitting? Uh, no, I'm not. Woo! Oh, wow. No, I, I, I signed on for another year. Uh, just like as I'm reading, someone else has signed on for one year with the New England Patriots. Apparently, Cam Newton is coming to town. Really? I did not know that. See, again, I have not followed the NFL at all. Yes. Yeah. Cam <laughs> Newton is coming to the wow. New England Patriots. Deal worth a maximum of 7.5 mil. It's for one year. Uh, was there talk of Kaepernick being a Patriot at some point? There was. was Apparently, uh, that was all a bunch of fluff. Yeah. But, uh, hey, you know, Man. if if they can play. <laughs> Man, the thing is, I, I feel I feel I feel for Kaepernick. I just I hope he gets signed by a team. And there's enough teams out there with bad quarterbacks. Yeah, there is enough teams out there with someone starting that that you would go who? Yeah, yeah. Where you're thinking, hey, how can you not sign this guy to at least give him a chance? I just wonder. With I mean, what has he been out of the game now for like three years? Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's an awful long time. I just, it is. I don't know. It I mean, is. I hope the guy can come back. I hope he gets a chance to play. He and should. I, he I, should be given I a hope chance he's, to come back. Oh, I mean, he should be given a chance no matter what. Yeah. I just, I question whether three three years away from the game is too much. Absolutely. I hope it isn't. I'd love to see the guy play because I think he was actually, I think he was a, a fun guy to watch play. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a long time to not be not be throwing a football and then to jump back in, yeah. but anyways uh we'll have to save that for another episode but but you know i just thought i'd throw that in there toward the end but 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 again uh you know been an honor and 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 a pleasure uh this 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 last year looking forward to the next year we want to thank uh if you're one of the listeners who has uh who who are one of the 758 downloads we've had we appreciate it uh yeah absolutely absolutely we're we're building our empire slowly but we'll we'll build it nonetheless (laughs) And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely, mm. uh, you know, ho- hopefully this, this episode has, has exposed or opened up a bit, you know, the, the music that's out there. If you haven't listened, I mean, I'm sure some of these bands you've listened to, but, but especially the ones that, uh, my good friend Todd has brought up, you know, may not be, uh, you know, things that you may have necessarily heard on, on some of the pop radios. So, so definitely check it out. Yeah, some neat picks in there. There's some neat, neat, neat picks in there, folks. Uh, that, that's right. That was neat times three. One more, four. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, thank you again. And as always, uh, as, as we like to say here, you know, be kind to one another. Be mm-hmm. good to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, be safe. Be healthy. Mm. And uh, we, we got to pay the bills. So please, hit the lights on the way out. I can take the wrong week to quit drinking. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Not trying to light up the whole neighborhood. No, we're not.